0: Okay, wait. Gets Takada. Takada does a judo throw into an armbar.
1: Takada buries him in. with a
0: load of kicks. <laughs> <laughs> we think. Mo- oh, actually, hold up. Okay, so that's actually the end of that match. Oh
1: fuck off, Um... All, man. um...
0: Yeah, that's the end of that match because we're that that we're talking. That's George at that point that I can hear on my recording. Some moron um, saying um, yes that 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 he's he's tapped. So it looks like we've got probably give or take twenty odd minutes, twenty five minutes of chat about that match. Uh, So it's probably
1: most of the match basically. Daniel. I love you, but I just want to see you're a fucking idiot, right? Well, <laughs> for from, yeah. lo- from losing this recording. I, I, I I know, not, right. I've not
0: lost the recording. I've just lost, there's just not 31 minutes of it there for some reason. <laughs> um,
1: and then I then so- like, you know what? I'm happy to do this again. And then you went, oh no, we don't need to. We're just doing an intro. I went, like, oh, right then, fuck this match. I don't want to talk about this match again. Oh yeah, actually we need to do it again. <laughs>
2: Well I mean So we so we we do need to re record this or we don't?
1: But yeah let's Well, do I, it. I think we do because the it
0: starts at thirty one minutes, you are talking about uh arm bars and things and then on on thirty one minutes or thirty two minutes you seem to be talking about the match ending. So let's
2: let's just be on the safe side and just record the whole thing, yeah? Yeah.
0: Right. Do that. We'll, we'll, we'll have to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah cuz then it leaves what that 59 minutes left for everything else uh after that but yeah it sounds like that's we, we were talking about that cuz i think we did re- yeah we recorded that first on that session so yeah yeah uh we no, we didn't
1: got... record Kakehana first
0: uh well, well we probably did but then yeah, this yeah, is yeah, 31 we did minutes Kakeha in and then we so like, yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, so that makes sense that okay makes cool sense. Yeah. so yeah. Uh, Okay, let's just uh, do an intro.
0: Welcome to the Puro Brewing Podcast. We're on episode seven now. Uh, and yeah, uh, I'm Daniel and I'm here with my usual uh, friends, um, companions and comrades, George and David. Um, and just before we begin today, we'd like to do a slight return to um, a feature that we've had on this show previously. Uh, it's um, it's George's adventures in Joshy. George, you've had some more uh, adventures yes. in Joshy. So
2: before I talked about... Um... Well, actually in a future episode I will talk about I'm I'm exposing the business massively with our recording schedule here. Whoa You're you're expositioning <laughs> the business is what you do doing, you literally And bastard. um yeah so in a future episode I will talk about having uh, met Meko Satomura and uh saw Minami Toyota recently as well. Um I think although those two are legends in their own right, I think um my my greatest uh, scalp in terms of Joshi meeting uh, as of late was that very recently I went to another pro wrestling eve show in London and had the pleasure of uh, chatting to Chris Wolfe from stardom and um now uh some some wrestlers are um you, you, they're not the they're not the people that they appear to be in their on stage persona and you know that is inevitable in certain cases. It would be very strange if the undertaker were to be constantly <coughs> talking about Death, his yard, driving out into the desert and uh, a a snakeskin boots. Yeah. Um go, on, go go into B and do up his death <laughs> yeah. and cool stuff. So. Um but yeah, it'd be very strange the other way as well if we was just talking about normal stuff, you think, What the fuck? Like, you're the Undertaker. Um but uh Chris Wolf, I'm yeah. delighted to report, is exactly how she is in her promos. Just just a lovely, lovely person. Like we got to chat to her for about uh five ten minutes I think. Um we actually gave her one of the uh limited edition and very stylish. I maintained the double foot stompy silly patches which are now officially Chris Wolf approved mm. and you will see this in our promotional literature. And um just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just had a, just had a nice opportunity to chat to her and um uh, she had a couple of good matches as well. Um because uh Stardom she she is sort of more of a cult favourite and I guess a curiosity rather than someone yeah. who is featured very heavily. And it was nice to see her have two reasonably lengthy singles matches against against uh, good wrestlers. Um, Laura DiMatteo, who, who, is, who is more and more mm. accomplished as of late. And uh, someone called Charlie Morgan, who I had never heard of before the weekend. It's because it, it turned out she used to wrestle under a different name and a different gimmick, but who was absolutely fucking unbelievable. Ah. So uh, I'm very jazzed for that match on the second night, as you can imagine. And um, yeah, but... The, can you remember what her name uh, was? She went to the name was? of uh, Lady Penelope in Bellatrix, and I had vaguely heard of that. Uh, never yes. seen her yeah, wrestle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, really, mean. really yeah. impressed. She's good. Yeah, she's been yeah. working. And um, well, her match with Kaylee Ray on Night One included a uh, German suplex on the hardest part of the ring, oh, which I was uh, a... certainly not expecting. Yeah. it looked it looked pretty sore. But uh, yeah, yeah, got to hang out with uh, Chris Wolfe for a little bit, and uh, also Emi um, Sakura was back over from um Gator Move living room wrestling in Thailand and uh, brought over um uh, Riho, who you might have seen in Ice Ribbon and yeah. DDT who is uh, now actually an adult which uh, she hasn't yeah. been for most of her wrestling career yeah. i think she started when she was like 8 years old yeah she's terrifying um, for for a, a young age like and she's really good as well i think from what i've seen in DDT she she's she's a fantastic wrestler yeah. she's she's 20 now she still doesn't look it um Oh. And um... oh, I'm, sh- I'm shipping for her yeah. and, Ty- and Tyler Bate right now. Tyler, <laughs> Tyler Bate, um, Tyler Bate, who used to be engaged apparently to Tony Storm. He, I assume they met have, on leg day. He can't have
0: ever <laughs> been He's barely old enough to eat fucking solids. Like this is.
2: <laughs>
1: hey, look, hey he went in the cat house <laughs> yeah, he, few, he got engaged uh, we all get engaged uh,
0: when we're in the cat house yeah, at 15. Few too many triple uh uh red bull and vodkas you know like um the slayer iron maiden double bill comes out at the end I'm anyone's at that point to be honest Like right, so but
2: <laughs> I mean we are chatting shit here because we are incredibly jealous of Tyler Bate and his preternatural facial hair uh, yeah
0: uh, I'm, I'm jealous yeah. of everything about
2: him I
1: can't see anything about uh, facial hair yeah I'm jealous of everything about him but he's ridiculously talented but yeah um no um i i agree he he was the one who was once asked where does he see himself in 10 years and he replied still in my 20s cause oh. A fucking
2: oh, <laughs> oh what what a bastard oh. like but uh we have, yeah we anyway, still in um, 20s. yeah um, actually can i do a segue on this yes i can um tyler Bate is a young up-and-coming talent who is getting something of a push in the big leagues you know who wouldn't allow uh, young talent from an outside promotion, uh, maybe in some sort of interpromotional angle, to get pushed in the big leagues?
3: I can think of someone. Who?
2: Yeah,
3: it's, I,
0: I, I it's
2: Richard you. Choshu, back on the oh, podcast once again, with murder in his eyes and a song in his heart. Back
0: in that New Japan W.W.F.I. incredibly, incredibly one-sided fucking groove. Here we go.
2: Yeah, we're still still not out of the mire yet, lads. No 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 So um le- let's hop to it. We are uh still on fourth of january nineteen ninety six, uh the Wrestling World pay-per-view. We have discussed the uh, <laughs> from the sublime to the ridiculous, yep. the amazing Vader versus Antonio Inoki match, mm-hmm. but the last great match of Inoki's career, and some may say say the greatest match of Inoki's career, and the um, the virtual dismemberment of one Yoji Anjo <laughs> in a interpromotional feud with War that they seemingly staged just to bury him. Can we give it? it was the first please, in a one match series. We give
0: him yeah, the, the correct nomenclature, which is um, our spirit animal. Uh, our our, <laughs> our ultimate boy, the every man that understands what it is to go to work and be beaten down every day by his boss, the one and only Mr. Yoji Anjo. Uh, they, thought st- they thought the stone cold gimmick came out of nowhere. My arse. My arse. Yoji Anjo was just stone cold with the rebellion turned down. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Blue full,
2: sir. Yeah, I know. Probably drank as much as Awesome. I mean, I mean the, the thing is that, like, um, we... Things you have to remember about this feud. Yoji Anjo's was the most egregious of the burials, but uh, he was by no means the only one. I wouldn't call this a burial, per se, because um, Kakihara did get to beat um, Kensuke Sasaki, a man who has never been charged with any formal wrongdoing, And um, And... <laughs>
0: And it would be wrong wrong to intimate that he has ever done anything bad. I think allegedly, 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 allegedly. <laughs> in hotel rooms, like allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the other
3: thing. But um, yeah, the other thing.
2: yeah. yes, the other thing. Yeah. Um, that 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 weekend, yes. uh, which we don't talk about. <laughs> so um Kagawa did get to beat Sasaki, albeit in a fairly fluky fashion, and one in which left no doubt as to that he had uh, got lucky as opposed to actually being the better man than Sasaki. This sets up a quite interesting uh, Kohai vs Senpai dynamic, Uh, Sasaki um, famously being a protégé of Riki Choshu's. Indeed, starting out his career under him, his first few matches were actually in all Japan before Choshu left to go back to New Japan in the 80s. And so this sets up the story of Choshu um, avenging his protégé, and my god, does he avenge him!
0: Yeah. Like I mean if you're going to revenge someone you just you know just come go, go home. Yeah, meet meet out the same level of indignation. <laughs> you know, and, and and I think any further anything further than that is a kind of um, has the whiff of a kind of sadism about it. Like you know, you've not just even the score, you've just you've got to really humiliate the other person. And um, as we've seen previously, Choshu's pretty good at that. <laughs> like that's uh, during this period, that's what he does yes. best, really.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, like, like I have said to you in person many times when we've been planning this, um, we need to actually do some stuff like uh, those great Choshu Fujinami matches oh, God, yeah, from the '80s. Yeah. Uh, his stuff in all Japan, uh, tagging with. Uh, Yoshiaki Yatsu yes, yes, and Yaku things is. like that just because we have been so down on Mickey Choshu and oh, you know, really he was a really good yeah, wrestler yeah, yeah, like, like it's really just good. that <laughs> he chose this particular feud yeah. to act like a complete cunt yeah 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 it's unfortunate yes. but here so, we are we'll, we'll um, definitely come back to Choshu
0: cuz yeah we just we wouldn't want any of you to get the opinion that um uh, or, 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 you know take home from from the last episode of this one that this is the sum total of, of Choshu's career there's a reason why guys talk about this guy and he's referenced by a lot of even all the Western sort of workers today. The guy was the bomb. He just so happened to be a bit of yeah. a dick. But you can say that for many a great artist. So you know, there you go.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um. So. Uh. Yeah. We'll get into the match. The Ricky Choshu squash tour continues apace. <laughs> uh, one thing I did start. I did notice in the start of this is that Choshu is at least good enough in the beginning. Um, he doesn't sell Kakihara's axe kicks and palm strike, I might add, but he does at least act as if they may be capable potentially of causing him harm in the future. Yeah. And I think that is an important difference from the first it's match a level up with Yojiango. Yeah. It's a level
0: up, without question, from what we've seen previously. He at least in the same way that I would acknowledge a small moth that has thrown through like flown through my kitchen window as I'm cooking me spaghetti bolognese of an evening or whatever it is, you know, or putting the brew on and I would like mildly swat at it and think that's an irritant. He's at that level now. So he's not just being put in headlines yeah. and point blank refusing to go in them. <laughs> like, you know.
2: And um, if you remember that back in uh, episode ooh, five, this would have been, uh, I do talk about, uh, I did mention Ricky Choshu was in the South Korean Olympic team in 1972. He was very much capable of doing a very good Olympic-style match. He does deign to go to the mat at some point. Again, not for very long, but um, in the same way that um, you hope the Catholic Church might reform itself uh, in the future. Yeah, baby steps. <laughs> very, very small baby steps.
0: We've made a few changes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry. Spicy, spicy in the house. Like... <laughs> Oh god. Yeah, like, Kakihara, like, fair play, too. I mean, tries and beats a shite at a Choshu in the corner to start with, and Choshu is just not having it. Choshu is like, I I, I see your point, I've taken it on board, but I disagree. I'm not selling this yeah. at all. No. Um and then like Kaka yeah, had that. there was a bit where he went in front of and missed and went, oh fuck, and turtled on the ground knowing that Clotcher was literally <laughs> gonna stop him at a fucking pace. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, right, fucking, you know, crap damage limitation here, turtle up. Yeah. yeah. The difference amount of emotions and, and kind of the complexity of
0: what he's going through at that point, where it's like, right, I'm working this kind of um this this work style, which is meant to look as close as possible to real, I've just slightly fucked up, and now I'm worried that this guy that was refusing to cooperate with me before is actually going to physically hurt me. Like, and he's also technically at the moment my boss. <laughs> like, like what you know?
2: Yeah, that's the. Uh, he's your boss's boss. In fact, well, which yeah, is which is, even, is worse. even
1: worse. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, David. Wait, I didn't wrote to do that. I went it Yeah, Trosha just came back and just fucking malkeez him huh. over and over again. Yeah, um, it's it's
2: like the yeah the thing is like Kakihara. Actually, what it reminded me of is, uh, you know when I mean, does the Enzigerian Choshu know I was in Kakihara. was like, oh shit, I'm on the floor now. It basically ended up doing the old uh, Antonio Inoki trick when he um yes! fought Muhammad Ali. Um, the and there is actually a a perfect example here of the uh the, the dynamic uh between Kakihara's artistry and uh Choshu's Cold, ruthless thuggery of a bastard. Um, in that Kakahara does these amazing-looking uh, roundhouse kicks. Um, they're 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 not quite on sort of uh, Tommy and Mike Bailey level from today's wrestlers, but they look really good. They could certainly look like they're capable of fucking you up. Oh. Choshu blocks them all and just flat out punches him in the yeah. face. Yeah.
0: And the best thing about the blocks as well is they're not even like, you know, sometimes there's a way to kind of sell that you're blocking something that looks as if you've really had to sort of quickly, you know, put your, your forearm at the top of your head and kind of, you know, make sure you were to get out of the way. And then you kind of sell the arm afterwards because it hasn't hit your head. But, oh, my God, that hurt my arm. Nah, no, he just basically swats it. He just swats it like a like a fly, basically. Like with a look of kind of like that, that kind of same look on, on your face that you'd have if you'd like been on the Guinness the night before and you just been to the toilet the first thing in the day and just you know, it was staring back at you. Like he's just <laughs> turned about his, his life, you know? And, and upset at his life choices. It, so he
2: thinks I'm gonna punch this man in the face. It's basically um it's basically trying to fight emerald weapon. Mm. Like mm. It it bear, it barely even bloody notices yeah. you're know, the following yeah. is scheduled for a 20 minute time limit. Yeah. I've literally used Knights of the Round three times. Come on, like <laughs> it's it's a bit a better match than the Anjo one. It's it is. it's still not great. Like there is an amazing spot at the end where I, now I love a good lariat ducking. Oh, and I think that yes. But you know how some people do strikes where they sort of lazily swing an arm yeah. and the guy ducks it. But you know that strike was never intended to be um, to be one that connects because it isn't. Yes, but, yeah. like, they don't do a very good job of making it look as though it's meant to be an actual one. Yeah. Um, Ricky Choshu, of course, has no such qualms. And there's a great spot where Kakahara ducks one of his lariats literally right at the last second. And you think, oh, OK, no, this guy, like, the comeback might be up. No, Choshu gets back in the ring. Yeah. Murders Kakihara with a backdrop and a lariat in short order. <laughs> that could be the end because, you know, the Ricky lariat, um, well, patent pending, yeah. won him quite a lot of matches. And in, the, in the, he just <laughs> spends a bit of time um, in the same manner as uh, Triple H at WrestleMania 19. Just, rather than laying on his back, he just walks around the ring looking grumpy for a bit <laughs> and then thinks, "Ah, oh, fuck it, locks in the uh, Scorpion death lock and that's enough for the win to send New Japan up with a unassailable 2-0 lead yeah. in this three-match series.
1: <laughs> Actually, I wanted to get in one point, uh, because I can't believe you didn't mention it, George, but um, Kaki <laughs> pulls out possibly mine and your favourite move in wrestling. Um, no, It was made popular by Salman Hashmikov. Shihiro Hashimoto got it. The oh, fucking oh, yeah, water yeah, wheel, wheel drop. drop.
2: The water wheel yeah, drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. I couldn't believe it. And then, to be fair, Choshu, he'd pull out this weird, like, suplex roll thing. I don't even know what the fuck it was, but he just, you know, launched him like a sack of shit. But yeah, I, I'll I, never not pop for the water wheel drop. I love it. It's such a good move. Yeah, it is a great move. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: <laughs> there isn't really that much to say. Like, it, it, tells, it tells the basic story that the teacher, Choshu, is getting revenge. Yeah. For the pupils, Sasaki, but... Um... Kakihara didn't get that much offending yeah, I mean, in either match, and yeah. yeah, rather than make a new star, this it reinforced the idea that Kakihara's win over Sasaki uh, was a fluke. He can't do it on a wet Wednesday night in Stoke. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you're right to mention that because um, for any listeners, it's literally not. I mean, if you go if you haven't seen these matches before and you're thinking these guys are really phoning it in today, they're not going into any kind of play by play or anything like that. It's honestly not that these matches are so slight and involve. I mean this one it involves sort of um sort of exponentially more than the previous one that we looked at, but um, it both combined together are incredibly short matches by the standards of the time and the promotion and also matches in which th- there is quite a little to talk about because it's either someone working with someone who's slightly uncooperative in, uh, in in Choshu, or, you know, Kakahara basically trying to as as we've just described, um, attempt to sell without looking too ridiculous given that Choshu is doing very little of it. So we're not trying to shortchange you on the analysis. It's just quite a difficult match to actually talk about, really, without
2: just... some. Yeah, it's not like um, our WrestleMania uh, episode (laughs) where there was this, like, fucking 12-minute-long match between uh, Dean Ambrose and Baron Corbin. It was so unutterably (laughs) dull that we just decided, like, nothing of note happened in this match. Like, they did stuff, but, like, it was all horrendously phoned in. (laughs) This match is different in that we've basically just told you all the spots (laughs) that happened in it.
0: yeah. We just yeah. pat- Pattersoned you. We just laid it all out for you with the finish, Daddy, by every single bit. Uh... <laughs> Alright, okay. So, um, yeah, as we say, not too much to, uh, to really go over there um, um, in terms of the uh, the last encounter. Now something to get our teeth into a little bit more. Uh, and those of you that heard our um, quite animated discussion uh, and, and quite opinionated discussion on the previous encounter um, in this series uh, will be glad to know that uh, it's back. <laughs> uh, and, um, yeah, um, I think some of our opinions on 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 this this rematch uh, this uh, main event might might surprise you if you heard all, uh, our our last episode on it. But yeah, um, this match is a rematch of the uh, last main event that we looked at, and it is once again um, Nobuhiko Takada uh, against uh, Keiji Muto. So yeah, guys, um, who wants to start us off on this? Uh, yeah, David.
1: Um. Yeah. Wait. Oh. I'm a bit... I'm a bit conflicted about it, right? Because I think... I seem to remember when I first watched this... I didn't really... I I still... We liked it more than the first stone match... With Muto and Takeda. And I still get that feeling. I... But... I I don't know. The second time I watched it... Because we watched this the second time. And... I enjoyed it more. And I don't necessarily think it was because of the work. To be honest... I feel that the work in the match... Wasn't uh, it was very similar to the one from the, the previous Dome show. Yeah. I think yeah. that the problem was is that with the first one, it was, I mean, looking back at my notes for it, it was you know, eight New Japan versus UWFI matches, a lot of mish matches. and Apart from maybe Lagarsano, everything else was very, you know, in that mold of, like, the shoot style, try to work this style. Yeah. You've got yeah. New Japan workers try to work this. This one didn't necessarily have this. This is more of a variety show. It wasn't all New Japan versus UWFI. Certainly that was a, a factor in it, but it wasn't the mm. whole, it wasn't the be all end all. And, so, and similarly, before that, you had Inoki versus Vader in there. Yeah. Which, as yeah. we mentioned, you know, as we reviewed in the last game, was an absolutely brilliant match. And, you know, the crowd were on the edge of their seats the whole time. They were living and dying by this match. Mm-hmm. They loved Inoki. And it was, you know, an absolute roller coaster ride. And I feel that the crowds after that they couldn't help but be more perks. They it's yeah, in a great match. Yeah. They were still on a high. Obviously you had Rick, Ricky Trosher try to fuck things up and bring everyone down. But can't you can't do it. It's the Dome, January fourth, the title match. And I feel that a lot of the production in this Yeah really lended itself to the Gravitas, I don't necessarily think what happened in the last one, no, obviously, New Japan, they were always very good at these sort of things with production, mm. same with the WWF, but I feel like New Japan, in this, they were able to make this feel more like a combat sports world championship match, like a big boxing yeah. match, yeah. so like, there's there's one where they're in a hold, I kind can of like hold or something like that, and you do a fade out to the belt, so, so they're in this yes. and it all fades yes. out to the camera and then there's a belt yeah. there on the table. It was a really effective shot Yeah, yeah. showed you, you know, this is what they're, they're fighting for. And like, stuff like that, I love stuff like that when you show the belt and things like that, and you just have a lingering shot of the belt <sighs> to say, this is enough. what they're grappling over.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like, the the only time I don't like that is when um there's an IWGP Intercontinental title match in New Japan, and then they show you the belt on the desk and just like, oh clean it!
0: Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah.
1: Especially now, because Naito's Pied it. He's yeah. completely pied the belt. It's all broken and fucked. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's like the, it's like the old. He's like
2: is pied a a verb named after uh, Jonathan Piers in to really fuck
1: something up. <laughs> we'll go with that. Yeah. I'll go with that. That's yeah. fine. To be severely um...
0: overrated by liberal assholes. Um, like. Uh, no. <laughs> but I was just going to say that 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 cut that they do is. I'm really glad that you you mentioned that because um, a lot of the old. Um even going as far back as like JWA matches, um uh and especially when it when it sort of becomes the, the, the two different promotions later on after you've had the split from all Japan and you have know, like new Japan and stuff like that. Um that um trope, which I think they either made themselves or they must have maybe looked at US videos of title matches and taken it from that, is a big deal. Like um and to the point that mm. like uh if you go on like the the, the Ditch archive um, and stuff like that. Sometimes in in his notes, he will even say, "Watch out! Like 15 minutes, there's a great shot of the belt." <laughs> like you know, it was like a big deal. <laughs> uh, like, but I like that. Like I like that. As you say, David, that 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 real sports trope. Like you know, of um, yeah, this is. Uh, this is what we would do if we were watching a football match. They'd probably have a shot of the you know, the, the, the championship or the World Cup before. Yeah,
1: like the, so, the yeah. FA Cup and things like that, yeah. they'll always have a, a shot of the World Cup, they'll always have a shot of the trophy yeah. pitch side. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, right? yeah. So it adds um, to the feeling of it, definitely. There was another thing as well yeah. that I've seen in this um, where I, I can't remember if it was Decatur's or Muto's wife, uh, they uh. have a shot of her <laughs> um, in the crowd and um like she was really concerned and yeah i was i sent a review of Ryzen, um our favorite promotion in <laughs> yeah, the world everyone's yeah, yeah. favorite promotion the world, rising definitely and it was definitely. um always oh, what well, when was it when was it kandoria was in uh pride with gabby garcia Co- a couple of months ago. oh
2: fucking hell
1: yeah well it was, was that it, same was show it further than
2: that
0: was it last year no, it was
1: last New Year. Oh, yeah, it was New Yeah, last New Year. But Jesus. they were talking about they going through the whole card, and they mentioned that like there was, um, they have this disturbing trope in Rising, where they always give the wives like front row seats. Despite oh no! That, it's horrible. It's so bad because uh, the wives don't want to see the husband getting the shit beat of them. Like, who the fuck yeah, no. they want them to get money, and clearly yeah. they love this this art, and they want to do it. But a lot of the time, we begrudgingly you know, will be there. They give them front row, cage side, ringside seats <laughs> to see and their partners get pummeled. <laughs> yeah, ha- yeah, and they have like fucking emotional crises. Like they yeah. they fully break down, it's and they don't nice. shy away. <laughs> from showing them like yeah. and just like, this moment of frailty and like there was this big discussion about how this is like, a total freak show yeah. where they like just totally exploit this agony of like this of <laughs> these wives and partners and things like that but um i feel like obviously they didn't go to links like this but you can clearly see the concern on her face that, yeah you know, this meant a lot to her and, like, you know, she was concerned for her partner. Yeah, like, I, I really liked that. I thought like that was a really novel touch. They didn't go full rising and have her, like, shedding tears <laughs> yeah, and you know, yeah. stress or anything. But, yeah, they, they did really well with the sports presentation for this. And I, I think it really, it really works in that sense.
0: You know you know what it reminded me of in that sense is that um, there's a magnificent match from, I'm going to say last year. It might be the very end of the year before, I'm sure, someone can remind me. Uh, but it's it's a, it's a lucha match. For, well, it's a it's a match in Mexico in CMLL, um, and it's um, between the artist formerly known as uh, as Kamatachi and uh, Maximo. Uh, and uh, I think it's um Her, I think it's hair hair Her versus hair. Her. I think at that point Maximo uh, Maximo's lost. Um, sorry, not Maximo. Um, Kamatachi has already lost the match, so I think it's hair versus hair. Yes, and yes. Uh, That was last year. Yeah, there's, there's, it's a, it's a really good match actually, really great match. But there's um a wonderful. Re- re- repeated shot of like this the one only um uh a japanese kind of super fan of Kamatachi that's um uh, i'm presuming that, that this this woman uh either was a tourist or, or lives in in mexico herself and has moved from from japan or wherever or is maybe like you know second third generation japanese or whatever and just just really likes Kamatachi um and uh yeah like uh she is so into it like, to the point that, like, literally, you know, uh, when the near falls are hitting and she thinks he's a, he's about to lose the hair, she's, like, practically chucking a drink out of her hand and, like, there's, there's tears streaming down her face and they constantly cut back to it. And, yeah, it's a bit exploitative but it actually makes for a really great trope during the match because every time yeah, yeah. something bad happens to Kamitachi, I'm thinking, you need to cut back to her. Can I do this? God. Like, you know, and it's really actually as I say, slightly exploitative in a way, but it, in other ways, actually really gave something to that match. It was a really nice element in that match that was, you know, partly me thinking, ah, oh, I'm watching a Mexican match where they're not just looking at women's arses or boobs in the crowd for no real reason, uh, like, you know, which was nice. But, uh, yeah, it, those kind of things really add to it, um, especially when you're watching at home, you know, 24 years later
2: or whatever it is yeah let's just uh get, get into the the i think as much as david you said like the the presentation's better than the first match which i agree with and i think it is a better match overall still some of the the quibbles we had yeah. in the first match mm. they do crop up again it's uh it's an appropriately cagey start eh? Yay, hey uh, hey
1: I'm, I'm, I'm full of them today
2: um yeah there's lots of circling the odd leg kick tentative knuckle locks, it does work like the first significant strikes get better reactions than they, would, they otherwise would, but a lot of the mat work that they use to start the match off does end up being a bit aimless, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, and it's actually interesting which is that the crowd are really hyped for it but I wouldn't say that the there's the certain spots where you'd expect them to get more reaction than it actually does, like um Takada's first armbar attempt it gets a reaction, but not much of one. Yeah. And the pop for Muto's first figure four attempt, considering that it was a huge deal when he won the first encounter with it, is nowhere near what i expected. expect. Although you could probably chalk that up to the fact that New Japan fans still aren't really educated to early finishes, yeah. as UWFI fans are. They expected to go a certain a certain length of time and until that happens, they're not really gonna bite on these. Um yeah, that's
0: that's the real problem it's, for me um, but Yeah. It's the,
2: yeah. Even even though Inoki and Nagata won with arm bars earlier, again they were after matches of reasonable length. It, the yeah, other issue that, really yeah. is that Muto he really isn't selling Takada's heel hook as a deadly no. hold. And it really was in uh UWFI. Again, this cropped up with um we were quite critical of Muto's um I guess effort or lack thereof mm. in the first match and I think he puts in more of a shift in this one mm. but even so um, it's still not what you would maybe want or indeed expect from him in such a big match situation.
1: I will I will say you, know, you mentioned about the reaction of the fans it really all shifted up a gear when Mato went for the moonsault. Yeah. after the moonsault, yes, the crowd were, were there they were fully invested and I feel that like again, this you know, it's similar to like, the presentation. I felt that it reminded me of if you ever watch like a big ch- uh, boxing match and they'll have like, a couple of rounds. I, I remember watched the was it maybe the Joshua one? The, the Ricky Burns yeah one. There was a Ricky Burns fight recently where he got absolutely pasted, he lost every round <laughs> 10 9. Yeah. Um, but I think it was around, around about 10, 11, 12. Like Ricky Burns fights in Glasgow usually yeah. always very raucous. Cause mm. well, it's because region people. It's a like half eight at night. Yeah, it's, all it's like a Ricky pissed. Hatton fight
0: used to be in Manchester. Exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, but like, and they were all very raucous at like rounds one, two, three. Then they kind of realised where it was going. Rounds <laughs> four to ten, four to ten. Yeah. Not much going. And then round eleven, Ricky Burns came back, and he got a couple of shots, and suddenly the crowd were back in it you know you know that yeah. way watching a boxing match not much is happening suddenly all someone will sudden, just yeah. get a shot and suddenly the crowd are like oh oh it's happening it's happening yeah. and then they all get really invested and even when the action dies down they still can they can still ride that wave yeah there's a little of still know, in the crowd yeah exactly as long as you get something every so often yeah. they'll stay invested and you've got them regardless yeah, yeah. of you know um what else you do and yeah. i felt it was like this and like you know there was there was a sort of lull in the middle but when they got invested they gave them enough and they paced it enough where they, the crowd they kept getting that ripple and they kept going you know every you know they get the big cheer and then like, they put in the hold and then they get back out and then do like, a dragon screw or something like that mm. and then the crowd would lose their shit again and they, they, they had that nailed down yeah, I I said it, it felt very much uh, like a, a combat like combat sports as opposed to yeah. wrestling. Not in terms yeah. of the execution, but in terms of the feel, the grandeur, the presentation, you know, the atmosphere. It really did feel like that. It felt more like of a legitimate sporting contest with sides as well, yeah. because there was there was yeah. a noticeable um, section for Takeda on this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I noticed, it,
2: noticed that as well. It's um because we noticed I think the yeah the first show like um i think you didn't hear so much of a of a reaction
1: no that's what you didn't really notice in the first one that there was a there was a you know a uwfi away fans so to speak there (laughs) you know all the new japan fans chatting is this a library Um, (laughs) (laughs) the uwfi fans like Yeah, they were quite quiet, but I think they kind of realized the next time they were in it, and they weren't so full-on. They kind of, you know, UWFI guys, they knew, you know, something big was probably going to happen with Takeda because, you know, he'd been beat comprehensively the first time. Yeah. You know, really to cheer their guy on. Yeah, I felt that it had more of a divisive atmosphere, um, and I liked it. Yeah,
2: Yeah, it was... um I think there are, yeah, you are absolutely right. Um, things like the dragon screw counter. Um, there's a, a bit about ten minutes in where Takara looks like it's about to lock in a kimura. I think that's ten minutes is sort of the the point at which they start biting on finishes. Yeah. Uh, the moon salt absolutely is. Um, it's it's quite interesting actually because. Um, like obviously it's not a and we have this running thing where we talk about like shoot style planches and stuff yeah. like that. The moonsault really isn't a technique that you would use in an MMA fight. I hope that goes without saying. <laughs> but it's very interesting that instead of the uh the pin, Takada actually goes for a Kimura. So the psychology is very much like it would be in your Yeah. your your Commonwealth Garden shoot star match where someone sort of slipped up with a uh you know, attempted a big technique and left themselves uh, to an you know open yeah. for a counter, which I thought was very well done. Um, again, like I I still can't get past Muto in this. Like he's yeah, like he's. Yeah, his kicks don't have the same dynamism as well certainly as someone like Shinjiro Otani but also as I mean we're going to come on to this but um, Shinya Hashimoto especially his uh, spinning heel kick if you look at the difference between Muto's and Hashimoto's it's like it's night and day and with Hashimoto's obviously part of the effect is that it's a big fat man whirling through the air at you but even so um, there's something a little bit anemic about um, Muto's strikes but this, certainly in comparison with this, this,
0: this I agree with all of that completely and I would actually say that this is a pretty good match to look at. Um, if you want to um, have a look at, well, I'd say both these matches combined, and I actually do agree with David as well in the sense that I actually think that once it hits um, what we might these days call the stretch run, um, it actually gets pretty good. Um, and I, I like the intensity with which it's worked in the kind of final third and, and stuff like that. But if you, you know, wanted to sort of um, uh, get a a bunch of nerds who've watched quite a lot of tape. Of both of these guys throughout their entire career together and say give me some of the most common criticisms of, of these two guys you could probably show both these two matches um ser- different sections of each um next to each other and say here you go this is all you need to know because anemic i think is the right word muto and i, I, I don't know how in how much depth he went into on the on the, on the last recording because i can't remember i haven't listened to it for, um, probably for a while but muto is really a guy who when i was growing up right i remember how excited i was when i i got the um i don't know whether it was rf or, or some uh other company that made this big huge um best of um KG Muto compilation right which i waited for ages for the shop to get in and i was like super excited and i was gonna bring back and like trade in like a load of like uh, ecw pay-per-views I had for, like this one like um double uh cassette um collection of like uh the best of KG Muto. and like um he had a, I think his reputation has diminished a bit in recent years for hardcore sort of nerds like us, but broadly speaking still in the sort of wider wrestling fandom, I think KG Muto is still a guy that you say, KG Mittal, the great Muto and a lot of people are like, oh, he's, he's one of the all-time greats. Um, And in flashes, even within certain matches like this one, you can completely see that. Um, And this is a guy who's had ma- um, some matches, the likes of um, um, the G1 final he has against Chona, which I think is a great match. The match he has in 2000 at the Dome with Chona, which I think is a great match again. Uh, which is funny because I'm not a big Chono fan either, really. Um, and uh, also the famous match with Vader, um, in which the um the uh, the, the, the sumo um cushions uh chucked on all that kind of stuff. This is a guy that can have great
1: matches, and it or it's WCW run and everything. But see, like, yeah, well, his matches with Steng as well. It, oh yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, this guy's had some great matches, but the thing is, is that he's very much a guy that if you watch on a highlight reel, really good. As long as that highlight reel is about two, three hours, three and a half hours long. Okay. After that. You, yeah. get, you really begin to notice that there are matches like this, which you think not so much... You're not left thinking, wow, that stretch run was incredible. That's that's so exciting. I'm left more thinking, God, that was really good. I wish that was kind of the only bit of the match I'd seen. I wish this match was five minutes shorter. I wish there'd been five minutes less of sitting in there. He's a guy that often sits in a hold and, and, and looks unsure what to do or where to go next, which is stupid because I don't believe for a second that he isn't sure where to go next. I think he knows exactly what he's doing. Um, But there's a weird thing with his, his facials and, and the way in which I, he seems to often look quite relaxed in, in a holds and that is maybe something that maybe, may, yeah. maybe though this is something that I'm, you, you guys can tell me this might be a thing with me as a fan. As you guys know, a lot of my favorite wrestlers are guys that are quite big uh, performers in that sense. They're guys that are quite almost mannered in the case of like someone like Terry Funk or Kawada in some ways. Um, in their offense, so yeah, it's almost this. They are they are playing quite big, but they're they're pulling back just slightly from being too over the top. So maybe that's the thing about the kind of performances that, that I like. Um, and these two guys, I think, when they're together, uh, they can have these blistering periods, as we've said. But then there are there are parts where both of them look a little bit uncomfortable with the style, and they kind of just you know, as we talked about, yeah, the 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 leg lock in the first match. They just settle into this little groove and. That's the kind of thing that will really take me out of a match, and it's not something that happens in Takada's work before this because when I'm watching him in UWF and, and stuff like that, the matches are so kind of sprightly and 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 small that I can I can get all I need from them, you know. So yeah, maybe we can discuss that. But,
1: but well, I, I was exactly. going to mention uh, I'd written a note. I think I talked about it before um, about the fact that I think we kind of were on, the, you know, trying to discuss whether or not we felt that middle was phoning it in. Um, yeah. I felt that. He wasn't necessarily folding in. I actually thought, you know, he put in an all right effort. He wasn't, you know, wasn't a completely release of problem was that the match that they were having, and I mentioned this the last time, and I think I mentioned it in the episode before as well, when we're talking about this, but um, the problem was is that they were really determined to have this New Japan versus UWFI angle where New Japan yeah. workers were trying to work the shoots there with UWFI, and realistically, yeah. they yeah. the other way around, especially in this match because it's a dome show. Um, yeah. IWGP title this is you know the pinnacle of what sort of a you know in new japan this would be sort of the biggest match possible you could get and they again they didn't do it It wasn't as bad as last time they did have a bit more of the uh, you know they sort of not entertainment style but you know what i mean it's more visually yeah. aesthetically yeah. pleasing than uwfi style and i feel that because they spent so much time trying to do uwfi that's where they kind of get bogged down because realistically with UWF 5 you're trying to make it look real so you can't get out of every submission holding in two seconds it's yeah. not going to happen and i felt that this wasn't a case of people mailing it in or anything like that more a case of they were hampered and with the constraints you know the box that they've been put in the match that they had they couldn't have the match as great as matches they wanted before you know they wanted to do because they had to work it within these constraints and I mean, I think I said this before. You, it would have been much better if they had done this match sort of the last time and then had Takeda as, as, uh, take on Muta, take on the great Muta, and just have a total smoke and mirrors match where Muta's been,
0: you know, yeah, humble yeah.
1: Whatever, and he comes back to avenge it and he brings back Muta. Takada's um, completely,
0: um, like, you know, not sure how to yes. handle it because he doesn't
1: fight guys that, you know, like you. I that, mean, that, how that great kind of would stuff, that have
0: been? Know? Yeah, that would be really cool.
2: Yeah, they don't do that here. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, is, yeah, like, if they'd have met them, even met them halfway, but then you've got the risk of it being either fish nor flesh, or just work a, a New Japan style match, because Takada is, uh, he started out with, uh, you know, he had, he had a lot of time in New Japan. Yeah. He's a former IWGP junior heavyweight champion. Yeah. He was the first person to win both the junior heavyweight and the heavyweight uh, belt. He, he might actually... Yeah. Oof. Oh, I'd, I'd be I'd be hard pushed to say if he was the only person to do it. I have to check, but he was certainly the first, and by and by quite a long way.
0: And also, he's a guy who um a, a lot of people you speak to these days, like a lot of guys in the kind of in the kind of fan communities that we run with and stuff, like fall out and tell you that they think um Takata is actually a better pro wrestler than he is a shoot star wrestler. Like that's an opinion which a lot of people. Mm. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with that, but that's an opinion that an awful lot of people who um have watched a lot more footage than me and are probably you know better. Better fonts of knowledge when it comes to wrestling um, than, than 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 me are, um, and that's an opinion that they have quite seriously. So, uh, and I've seen him, um, you know. I mean, you could even look at Takada's kind of stuff where, um, you know, um, the, the sort of the the later UWFI stuff, um, that we um that we were sort of we've sort of glanced over, uh, glossed over before rather, um, stuff where he is like, um, you know, literally taking on, uh, you know, big pro guys like 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 Vader or or whoever, um, and actually having these incredibly arresting. Um, uh, uh, matches where it doesn't just have to be like you know ah oh, shit like you know we 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 cancel each other out here let's go on a hold like you know like they they think of other ways r- yeah. around these well, things. Um, this
1: is the other this was know. the other note that I had was that the kind of match you were doing with inc- intricate mat work, it's it doesn't work in a dome. I mean it's sort of the idea that um, no. you know Iron Maiden. I'm sure you've you you've all seen the interview. I think it was where Bruce Dickinson. Is like when I play. I want to find the guy at the back of the room, yeah. Point him and make him feel that I'm singing directly yeah. to him. Yeah. So like, you know, even yeah. the guy at the back can see everything and, you know, feel part of the show. Yeah. When you're doing that, you know, when you're at the Tokyo Dome and you've got sixty thousand odd people, the guy in Rose Ed and fucking restricted view, park head seats at the back, <laughs> yeah. He you know, how how is he meant to like kind of be as into it yeah. when you're rolling yeah. around in the mat? There isn't any big flashy action mm. There's not it, it's you know it's slow moving and that, that can work you know yeah, you look at yeah, something like uh, Ambition by WXW yeah. that works really yeah. well there it's a really constrained environment you know there's it, only you know a certain amount of people get in and yeah. you know it has that environment where you can do things like that and it's fine you know and it works yeah, but of course. in a dome you know a lot of the finesse and yeah. subtleties yeah. don't translate to an environment like that and yeah i felt that let them down as well
2: yeah i mean there's actually a bit um sort of uh, that i've been writing um well last night actually for the uh, the rick book sort of you're seeing behind the wizard's curtain yeah, that that sounds that sounds wrong you're seeing be, behind yes um yeah um and so basically you, the scenes where um <laughs> the scenes where the protagonist basically he sees the first famous Ricardo Anthes match on the telly, and badges his parents to take him to the rematch, which he then ends up uh, being in the crowd uh-huh. for. And uh, the as as a as a writer, the the problem is how do you if you're doing long descriptions of wrestling matches, which is one thing I am doing. Um, how do you make the second Ricardo Anthes match uh, sufficiently different from the first one? Bearing in mind they use a lot <laughs> of the same spots. There's a bigger there's a lesser variety of holds that they used to use back then. Yeah. And therefore, like, how do you just make, avoid it being a redux of the first one? And the solution I came upon is just to have the protagonist be in the ship seat, sitting really far away and not being able to make out the intricacies of the holds. So it's more about sort of how the atmosphere washes over him and trying to actually make out what's happening in the ring that's a nice, and being able to make out like a backdrop here and that's there. A nice, but, narrative you know, device. Like I like that. That's, that's good. That little disconnect. Ah, yeah, thank thank cool. you very much. Um, uh, October. Getting into the uh, getting into the finish, like uh, I really like the finish. Um, one thing I will say about the finish is that unlike uh, Kakahara's victory over Sasaki, which is the uh, most notable scalp judo uh, you know f I have had in this series so far. Indeed, it's one of the only scalps I've <laughs> had so say, far. Yeah. Um, this is a decisive finisher, uh, decisive finish. There's a great pop for a judo throw into an armbar by Takada, and after Muto gets the ropes, Takada just fucking sprays him with kicks. And locks in the armbar and gets the tap out. Like I, I appreciated that. Um, Antonio Oki appreciated that as as well because you like you see him, um, <laughs> you see him on commentary with his eye bandaged up. I, assume, I no, just no, assumed no, no, that no, was no. Vader's
1: blood on him earlier. I, I feel that we're. I'm going to have to do some fierce editing there because Takeda did not get the tap out. <laughs> On Muto, <laughs> because when I was watching this again, I thought, you know what, I'm going, I'm going to give New Japan the benefit of the doubt yeah. here and say that Muto tapped out. I don't remember him tapping out, oh. but you know what, this is the this Tokyo Dome, yeah. Takeda's to big moment, and it's a submission hold. He's going to tap it? Nope. Yeah. no. Nope. Referee just rings a bell. Yeah. No tap. No visual tap. Because of course. Yeah. Yeah. I've got,
0: I've got a feeling that even if there was the world's biggest, most obvious tap you could possibly imagine. That there would have been a, you know that, that um, I don't know if anyone watched the um anyone that's listening watched the um the NXT takeover show uh, recently, but um, I mean I'm sure a lot of people that are listening that uh, did watch that, but if anyone noticed rather that there was a point at the end, where I'm pretty sure someone working behind the camera got future endeavoured because it was the <laughs> hottest, you know one of the most emotional angles i have ever shot in NXT. Um, as a spoiler alert for anyone that's not seen it, come on it's been months. Um as um as, as, as a couple of weeks. As, um, as, as, no, a as, of well, to as, 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 as Champa turned on, on Gargano, uh, which has been something they've been building for ages, and it was this big emotional moment. And even though they kind of telegraphed it by having the match on last and a few other things, I was still sufficiently into it, even though it had been spoiled for me, I was still sufficiently, sufficiently into it to be caught up in the emotion. And I was there, and I was like, oh, fuck you, Champa, you bastard, like, you know, because during Gagargo is such a, a sort of physically, um, uh, um, you know, sort of tiny guy in comparison, and so like adorable. I was raging, I was on my sofa shouting. And then someone just cut away. And they cut away, just some guy in the crowd with his fucking hands down his pants, pitching himself laughing, just going, oh, yeah, come on, Coach uh, Yampa, fuck you, Gagano. And I was like, What the fuck? You've ruined wrestling <laughs> and the- forever. Fuck you. Like and at that one moment I was like, even though this is utter class treachery, and I regret it as soon as I've said it, I was like, I hope that guy gets fired. Like, you know? <laughs> uh, I felt, I felt <laughs> That's that's what wrestling does to me. It turns me from a fucking full-blown communist, right, into like a fucking you know creepy little you know blackleg. It's disgraceful. I, um,
2: I mean, you've got you've got that with my accent being a communist. I'm kind of being the class traitor the other way. <laughs>
0: that's
2: right. But the good the good kind, so it's fine. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so like- um, after the. There's a, there's a nice bit of post-match after this as well. Um, noted r based offense exponent, uh, Shiro Koshinaka, who actually got a um, win over Masahiro Chono on the undercard, which is a, a huge deal, uh, challenges Takada. And then Hashimoto comes in and gets right in his face and uh, cuts a promo. And um, uh, Sasaki also issues a challenge, but uh, that, that never came to anything. Um, but it, it's really good because yeah. um, they're setting up that everyone's super mad that... Um, that Takada is the champion now. The entire New Japan roster is is gunning for him, mm. and he's got a host of potential challengers crawling out of the woodwork. He would actually uh, defend the belt against Koshinaka on a subsequent UWFI show, yeah, um, yeah. leading into the next Dome show where Hashimoto... Uh, would get his title shot. And I think that was a good post-match. It's um, also capped off rather brilliantly by uh, Yoshihiro Takeyama carrying him out on his shoulders, yeah. much as uh, Bad Luck Farley used to do to Prince Devitt.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I loved uh, um, UWF's purple A6 tracksuits. Oh! Which I thought <laughs> they, they looked incredible. No, like, like,
0: honestly, like, as someone for whom purple is his favourite colour, and also has a, a big penchant for like tracksuits from back in the day, like old school sportswear. I was like, that is that is awesome. Like, a, a purple UWFI A6 track that I was fucking I,
1: I fucking need this Like oh, I know yeah, yeah. it's so good. Seriously,
0: the only tweak I would change would I would change the ASICs to like I don't know, like probably like old school. I need Ass like, like, like or something, and then I'd pay like an extra forty quid for it. Like seriously. Like Mizuno <laughs> like, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Legit. Like definitely. Like uh, no but that that that's great. And as we cycle through um various different uh, promotions in Japan uh, in these different series don't, don't you fear. Every time we see an excellent jacket, and there are several excellent jackets in Japanese wrestling history, which I've already got fixed in my mind when we come to them during our coverage, um, we're going to let you know about it. Because um, sartorially, um, it might be kind of a bit more subtle um, in some cases than, um, than, 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 than American kind of, um, you know, um, uh, uh, approaches to like uh, ring wear. But they, when they get it right and they go a bit sheeny and they go a bit over the top, it's fucking magnificent. So we've got more to come on the uh, on the, the, the weird aesthetic crush that I, some of us have on, uh, on Japanese sports apparel.
2: I mean, you're you, you among friends here. Um, so, yeah. That, <laughs> hey, that, uh, hey, for
0: that's once, that on. wasn't sexual. That was just me saying I like the clothes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, it's okay, mate. It's okay. It <laughs> <big>. um, <laughs> I,
0: I literally just like sports clothes. Yeah, yeah, sure, you do, you fucking pervert. <laughs> like,
2: oh, yeah, you like them. Yeah, yeah. You, you like yeah. them.
0: get in the bin with the rest of the fucking trainer lickers, you weirdo. Like. <laughs> 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 just like what he does. Like. <laughs> I was young. I oh, so now you got it, a bin that, fetish as yeah, well. I was young. It was 1998. Kappa was big. City were wearing it in the playoffs. McMugwai were wearing it on stage. It was, you know, another time. So,
2: um, so yeah, that <laughs> marks the end of our coverage of the... What an appropriate note to end on. That marks the end of our coverage of the 4th of January Dome show. Um, I guess... UWFI lost the battle because, uh, because they lost the Series 2-1, yeah. but are in kayfabe of course uh, winning the war with Takada having captured the yeah. IWGP Heavyweight Championship, and, um, and that leads us very nicely onto that's... our last match of this, yes? Right,
1: right. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't want to I mean can you hear that noise? Yes. Yeah. Oh my god, the, the, the TARDIS! The, the Tardis is here! Oh shit! Holy shit! Oh lordy! We, yeah, the, the Tardis in Doctor Who has turned up, and it seems to be that it's the date on there is showing as the fourth of November two thousand and sixteen. You can't just have
0: Tardises turn up in the car park on my housing estate, you know. The fucking the housing association will, will not give me a permit for this. We'll need planning permission. Uh, exactly,
2: exactly. Doctor, is Doctor is that actually where we when we fucking recorded this for the first time?
1: Yeah. yeah that is when we first discussed this the 4th of November wow. 2016 precisely 6 months ago 6 months
2: ago That's right. I've got now. two new jobs since then
1: Yeah you've had two new jobs since then but I feel we should stop talking and we should really get in the Tardis so come on guys uh, it's the 4th of November
0: what can it do here we go
2: exactly join the yeah
1: Well, here we are, the fourth of November, two thousand and sixteen. Looks all rosy. So much is different? Can't wait for that upcoming US election with Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's going to be plain selling for the US from here on in, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll be absolutely um, fine. Yeah. No,
0: that's that, that's so true. Like, I'll tell you the one the one other thing that I'm noticing about this particular period that we've come back in time to. The conservative uh, uh, party very strong and stable. Incredibly I strong. Mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> so like strong state, that I does. would say. I would say, you know, completely and utterly statesmanlike in every way. Like they've got my vote, yeah. that's for sure.
1: <laughs> like Yeah, it, exactly like I mean I mean they just seems I mean if you think of two words, yeah. I mean stable and strong. And strong. Maybe not in that order. No, and no. Or stable and or strong. No,
0: I mean I mean I mean, you know, why should they be in that order? We're not fascists. Uh, you know, um, we just literally kill disabled people. Anyway, quick segue uh, out of that. <laughs> That's probably a bit much.
1: But it's fine. It's Fourth yeah. of November. Yeah. U.S. You know. elections in four days. Hillary a- has this one in the bag. Yeah, easy piece of it's piss. fine. Got it. So, guys, let let's see what happens. What 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 did you think of Hashimoto versus Takeda?
0: I actually think that. Um, I mean, we. It's fair to say that all three of us are huge fans of, of Hashimoto, but up until this point in the matches that we've looked at that have involved him, we've not had a, um, a, a classic kind of standout Hashimoto performance to get our teeth into yet. Um, no. And, um, yeah, um, we are certainly moving up towards that level now. Um, so. Oh, yeah.
1: Why couldn't yeah. the rest of the feud have been this? Yeah. Why the fuck could yeah, I have it this. All been that Why can't
0: just wrestling be like this yeah, all the time? No <laughs>
2: Basically how this match got decided. A load of lads came out wanting a shot at the next Tokyo Dome and Hashimoto's like, I'm the fattest fucker. <laughs> <up." laughs> yeah. I'm getting the title. But um, there's a serious reason for it being Hashimoto. Is yeah. that, um, And I think I might have mentioned it on a previous episode. Hashimoto had taken over Inoki's mantle as yeah. the guy who fought the, the shooters, the martial artists exactly. who were invading. And this led to a lot of, as I've said, a lot of... Crap work shoots involving Hashimoto and guys who didn't know how to wrestle. But this is the idea of Hashimoto, the guy who's got the real, legit reputation as a as a hard man. Yeah. Uh, coming back in to salvage the company's honor. It's from uh, so 29th of April 1996 from a show called Battle Formation which yeah. is just an amazingly good name. That's up there with Do Judge as far as I'm it concerned. Is.
0: It sounds like um, a kind of knockoff range of, um, of, of toys for children that w- would be bought like um, in the market in Stockport um, uh, um, when, I, when, I, <laughs> when I was younger. Like, get your battle formations. So, oh, but I wanted, like, you know, I don't know, Military Musclemen or Big Bad Beetleborg. Now nah, you've got your battle formation. You can enjoy it. Big <laughs>
2: Big bad Beetleborgs, as a blast from the past. Yeah. Jesus, Christ, I've never to, we I'll, had to I'll be that honest. On this L- show. When I
0: said Big Bad Beetleborgs, in my head I was going, "It was that actually a range of toys? Like, Have you confused them for a kind of um, hefty jobber from Smoky Mountain Wrestling?" <laughs> 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 Here he comes. It's Big Bad Beetleborg. What's inside that case? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, to
1: be there In Memphis, you could see, say, "What's inside that case?" Oh, just, oh that's all bets are Anything. I... You don't want to know,
0: seriously. No. Like, oh, probably God. a half empty bottle of bourbon, uh, like a, a Hank Williams record, and a shotgun. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and
1: that's the <a> happy ones. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: um, anyway, lads, we, we, we
0: digress. Um,
2: so, the first yeah. thing to note about this is that there's an off putting amount of blood on the mat. Yeah. <laughs> And that's from the Great Muta Jinsei Shinzaki match. Um, Jinsei Shinzaki, if you were a fan of WLF New Generation in the mid-90s, was Hakushi. Uh, yeah, yeah. I absolutely so Gizu loved Gizu came Hikushi. out with all kanji on his body, which took about 17 hours to apply each night. I
0: know, God. Like, um, but yeah, I mean, um, it is quite um, quite, quite the spectacle to see this um, kind of um, <laughs> blood-soaked canvas. Um, it reminded me a lot of um, sort of in the, um, in the early days of MMA, um, when you just you know, there just tended to be a lot more bloodbaths and less stoppages, um, early stoppages yeah. than, than than usual. Um, and you know, sometimes the the visual of that, um, of that. I mean, it it, it still happens today. Um, I'll sometimes sort of stick on a a UFC show at my parents' house or whatever. Both of whom absolutely hate MMA and hate the fact that like I even like train Thai boxing or whatever. They just don't even like talking about it because it freaks them out too much. Um, and like. If there's been a particularly bloody, like, you know, fight um, to open things up, and the blood's just there, and then you can have, like, the cleanest fight in the world. You can have, like, you know, uh, Charles Oliveira, like, you know, doing the most beautiful Brazilian jiu-jitsu you've ever seen, and my mum and dad will still be going, Oh, God, look at all that blood. It's horrible. It really does give, like, this extra air of, like, you know, gladiatorial, like, brutal combat going on, even if that match doesn't have as much blood.
1: Can you please never let your mom and dad see Big Japan wrestling? Then? Oh, because, oh, Jesus is, Christ!
0: Here, well, this is this is a digression, but it's well worth it, right? Um, years ago, when I was doing tape trading, uh, I, I, I was never a massive. I'm actually probably more into um, deathmatch wrestling now, through purely through no, uh, mm. knowing David um, <laughs> uh, and, and a few other people online um, than, than I ever have been at any point in my life. Because um, when I was younger, I was watching ECW a lot, and I liked the, the kind of extreme elements of that in, in, in some ways, but um, when it sort of graduated up a little bit and there was um, promotions coming out, there were like CCW and that kind of thing, and it was all like, you know, light, light tubes and all that kind yeah. of thing. Um, I used to get sent tapes of, of, of all that stuff by people that were just like, here, check this out, it's great. And it kind of, you know, as I, I mentioned on one of the previous podcasts, uh, at first I was like, oh, this is really cool, it's interesting, it's different, it's kind of extreme. After the third or fourth match on the tape, I was like, this is just the same match. Um, and so I kind of didn't really think yeah. about it ever again but I was watching a good like probably solid 6-7 hours of this um, uh, one weekend and on that night um, I walked into the living room um, where occasionally I would leave my room and not be watching wrestling when I was a teenager um, and um, my dad <laughs> sat, uh, I walked into the room and my dad had the TV on and I'd just been watching like Madman Pondo matches and Madman <laughs> Pondo was on the fucking TV smashing light bulbs over someone's head and I said Dad, what's going on? And it, was, and it turned out that it was actually an episode of Tarrant on TV.
3: Fuck um, off. <laughs> <laughs> w- yeah,
0: which, which for those of you who are listening to this who aren't from the UK um, or just have lives, um, um, I, I, Chris, Chris Tarrant is um, uh, quite a famous celebrity. He used to be a, 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 a presenter of children's TV programme in this country. And he did our version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Um, but you also have this TV programme called Tarrant on TV, which was like, you know, weird, kooky, strange things from um, across the world of television. Um, and Japan. He, he discovered, I don't know whether it must have been on the wrestling channel or, or, or where it was being shown, but he discovered somewhere that was showing some maybe cable access um, program that was showing extreme backyard hardcore wrestling with light tubes and, and, and you know, staplers and all sorts of things like that. And me dad was just sitting there watching it. And me dad's just sitting there with his glass of wine he just turns around to me and he goes... You know what, son? He goes, This stuff, it's an absolute fucking disgrace. He goes, They should be ashamed of themselves. I hope you're not watch anything like this. I was just like, No, Dad, no, that's awful. It's all just Bob Backwood matches from '85 for me. Yeah, none of this shit. Uh, and then just like sneaked out my room again and was like, Oh, man, if he finds these tapes, I'm fucked.
1: <laughs> porn, fine. Absolutely fine with porn, but death matches Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolute disgrace. Like you know. You, oh yeah, you can watch Ichi the Killer. Not a problem. It's it's art. Like, but you're not watching this shite.
1: Like, <laughs> you don't know how much you sounded saying is like Bernard Manning and Brass Eye when you were talking. When you you imitated that's a fucking I'll, disgrace.
0: I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. That's how a lot of people that I know sound like. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I actually watched the Bob Wire exploding death match from episode two, and this is before I moved to Leeds. I watched it at home on like Apple TV, like with my parents in the room. Christ,
1: I'm 26, yeah. so I can get
0: away with it. Yeah, that's true. You do what you want now, can't you? Really?
1: Right. I, I, lo- I I love how my my feeling is that like obviously like, Onita has become this cult hero to me, and my wife just knows she knows who actually she Onita is purely as that guy <laughs> that david absolutely loves she, like, and you know i know, go oh, it's, it's amazing thrown it into barbed wire and exploded and she's like really like this, this this is what you've chosen as your life passion this thing why, why are you
0: why are you doing this to yourself david are you calling you know, me again but, hey
1: she did it did i tell you what, what george did i tell you what she bought me for my birthday you she did, bought, yes. Yeah, the king of the death match because she googled Japanese wrestling and found the first DVD. That's amazing. I lost my mind. I, I saw this uh, picture
2: of you know, you know Cameron from uh, fucking tough enough um, and Funkadactyl. Uh, oh, fame. of course, yeah. yeah, yeah. She she posted a picture of herself and she just typed Japanese wrestling into Google, and, <laughs> and the first the first result was this fucking Junka Simon. match. <laughs> Imagine Cameron thinking, "Oh yeah, now I'm going to get into this." Oh no, I don't. I kind of, I, I kind of,
0: in a really sort of um, unacceptably patriarchal way, want to protect her from that. Like,
2: um, like somebody <laughs> call my mamo, oh, I'm bleeding to death.
0: <laughs> yeah. I want to protect most people of all genders from that, to be honest. But there you
2: go. Some
0: of that stuff's dark. Um,
1: yes, yeah. yeah, yes. Well, yeah, because I, you, do you know? You'll probably know the channel Mutton and Ham on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's. <laughs> he's an odd man yeah. an odd <laughs> odd man I mean like you, you'll put a lot of FMW stuff which I'm like great I love FMW yeah. and then it's just like so it's uploaded a scissors death match with yeah. hundreds of scissors and body slams onto scissors and I'm like I yeah, mean come on guys yeah.
3: do, um, you do you, you remember scissor- when
1: you can use a scissor spot once that's yeah. my rule you yeah. yes. can build it <laughs> Go cool
2: to the hand. fucking scissors. Some that's scissors your one son. Watch right. out for the rest. I of mean,
1: fucking um, like six p- pairs of scissors, sellotaped together, and opened up and put on a board, and I'm oh, like, Jesus! You know, uh, fucking the there's,
2: there's a thing is too much it, scissoring. Yes, <laughs> there, there is. Yes. Um, Do you remember when the um, big Japan wrestlers were on Dirty Sanchez? No.
3: Yes. Yeah. And it's like and they four, them four, Well,
2: again, like if again, if you're American, you don't. I'm assuming this bit is, is getting cut but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The doubt. No, if you're American no, most and... of the last most of the last five minutes are getting cut yeah
1: <laughs>
2: if you're American and you don't know like Dirty Sanchez basically like Jackass if they were Welsh and even Grimmer so it's just yeah. all these guys <laughs> from the valleys just getting fucking glass smashed over their heads by Abdullah Kobayashi pooing on things right? like <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah. And the thing is, is like, like I seem to remember they loved it. I mean, like the 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 guys who loved it were like Abdullah Kobayashi would was smashing over the head with a light tube, yeah. and he'd be like, horrified, and he'd just like giggle. Yes. <laughs> like that. Oh,
0: dear. Anyway, we digress massively. Okay, yeah, yeah let's, get,
2: um, let's get back to the match. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I think we can all agree this is way better than the matches Takada has with Muto.
1: Oh. My first note was this is what I wanted. Yeah. Phil yeah,
2: it's nice and day, isn't it? Yeah. So what do we think makes this match more successful than the Muto matches? I know teacher, I know pick me. Um basically, <laughs> yes. Daniel. I think it's um
0: quite quite simple. It's the fact that Hashimoto is in it and Muto <laughs> isn't. <laughs> Right now, there's more. There's more. I'm not just going to leave it at that and be all fucking, you know, um, bitchy about it. Um, I think Hashimoto is so clearly the best of the so called Three Musketeers him, uh, Gamuto, and Shono. Um, And I think that it's partially because he's a better performer at adapting in ring to different styles. As you've said, George, it doesn't always work out because sometimes he's booked in matches with people that fucking, you know, no one could get a good match out of them in, in that circumstance. However, I think his hit ratio against different styles of wrestlers is better than the other two. And I also think and this is the crucial thing that makes this match for me. I think that there are really probably I'd say maybe 2 3 wrestlers in in, in Japan ever who've been able to convey the big match importance and the big match feel and the intensity of 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 on the importance of about of what is to, uh, about to take place simply by walking out down those big ramps and just having an aura about them. Um, and um, Masawa's one of them in a very different way to Hashimoto, I actually think. And Hashimoto's the other guy who, it doesn't matter what match it is, if Hashimoto's coming down and he's got his fighting spirit headband on and he's, you know, he's, he's betraying the fact that he's actually a huge, big, you know, barrel-chested, stocky guy, um, you believe in every single thing that he does. I believe in the narrative of this story. I believe it's not just a thrown-together um interpromotional feud that UWFI is bound to lose because of Hashimoto's presence. I think his aura is absolutely amazing like from the moment he comes out. Right. It, yeah. It,
1: it's interesting you mention about Hashimoto being able to adapt styles because I had the completely opposite direction, the opposite view from yourself on this because I felt that Muto tried too hard to have this weird shitty ng N- 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 PW UWFI hybrid weird match, it just didn't work. Whereas Hashimoto couldn't be asked of any of that. And whereas like, I am Hashimoto, I will have a Hashimoto match, you can fucking deal with it.
0: But I guess um, that that's kind of maybe just one different end of the same kind of point in, in some ways, though, because um, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that in a sense, even though I suppose it just kind of contradict what I've just said, but. When I say able to adapt to stuff, I mean know what's appropriate for a given um, a given exactly, um, a given yeah. match. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily mean oh, you know that um, the Hashimoto is going to take it to the mat, and do, which he can do, but like you know, um, yeah. So I think I we we kind of agree, but we've we'll just we phrase it differently, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: No. Exactly. Yeah. He he was able to take control of the match. Yeah, that's not, I don't exactly, mean, exactly not, you the know, words I was looking for. Over the
0: yeah. Take control.
1: He, he was the one initiating the dance. Shall the, we say the ring? The ring general, basically. That, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. I agree. Like the the, I mean, the first thing they do is, uh, I mean, there's no this uh, this um, cagey start with uh, you know Muto. They get right into it. They do this test of strength. Not you know, this isn't shoot mat work. This is just classic pro wrestling stuff. Yeah, yeah. But it's really effective at getting the crowd involved and getting across the size differential. Yeah. You know, um, and he, you know, Takada tries an armbar. Not much reaction. Um, I think. What I've realized actually watching this match is that um crowds buying the armbar is I guess because of context. I think I think I've said it before, but in shoot style matches can end surprisingly early. Like there's one where mm. Takata beat Backland in like two minutes. Yeah. And the crowd were a bit surprised at this, which suggests they you know they knew it w- it was a work mm. all along. But they do buy the armbar as a finish, but only at a certain stage of the match. Yeah. Um, one thing I, one thing I do think, and um, uh, so after the armbar, one thing I do think makes this match as well, not just in terms of Hashimoto's, you know, knowing what's appropriate in a match, it's more strike-heavy than the previous one. Oh, god. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I was going to mention that, that exact thing.
2: I think that fits Hashimoto really well, and I think that fits Takada better than the style of match that uh, Muto tried to do with him.
1: Yeah, as well as, as, as that, that kind of buys into the, the theory that I mentioned earlier about, you know, if you're in a big dome, that you know, work just doesn't work because you can't see it. Whereas yeah. if you're in a big stadium for a boxing match, if, you know, if you ever watch a, a boxing match, they always react to big strikes. Always. There's always that hush of, oh, and when they know something is coming. Yeah. And, you know, it, big strikes, you no know, people just lettering each other. Just, It looks far better to a casual viewer than like an intricate mat work. So even the most casual New Japan fan, you know, anyone can get behind, you know, people lettering the fuck at each other. (laughs) Yeah. without knowing much about, like, wrestling or, you at, know... At, even at the, the end of the day,
0: it's the one thing that unites probably just about everyone that, that loves to watch wrestling. You can, you'll get people that will say, oh, you know, I, I only like to watch pure wrestling matches." And funnily enough, none of these people ever watch, like, Olympic wrestling or, like, Brazilian jiu-jitsu grappling competitions. They're not watching Vallee Yeah, but apparently they really love pure wrestling. It's just such bollocks, like, these people.
1: But, um, you
0: know, like, it, that's that's completely true. At the end of the day, what, what will... There's all different spectrums of taste in wrestling, anything else. But I swear to God that there is a very fundamental part of all humans, and I would say this because I love combat sports, but that just likes seeing two people beat the shit out of each other with strikes. Like, that's just a fundamental thing (laughs) that we can all get behind. And it's the thing that unites, you know, um, um, Nick Diaz versus Takanori Gomi with Jerry Lawler versus Bill Dundee, right? (laughs) like that's yeah.
1: (laughs) Way it works. I mean, we mentioned it before on the previous the previous podcast, but I mean, Fry versus Takiyama. Yeah, yeah. Mean,
0: that is literally just a not, pub fight okay, with, with like a tiny bit more skill. It's just a it's a large pub fight, you know, between two lads that maybe used to box a little bit when they were younger in the army or whatever. Like that's that's <laughs> what that's what that is, right, you know. So I think I think you're right about that. But at this stage, what I was going to mention as well is that we've spoken about Hashimoto a, a lot. But I think one of the things that we should probably do because Hashimoto is a guy we all admire a huge a huge amount and we'll probably do an entire episode about him on his own but we should maybe just give a brief overview of how would you describe Hashimoto's style in in ring like cuz I I've got my ideas about how to describe it but what do you guys think
2: I I think it's if if we can call it a a pro wrestling style but it incorporates more shoot techniques into the into the pro wrestling psychology, which I think is part of, part of why he was known as the guy that defeats the shooters, because he uses these really stiff kicks, and also because of his size, but the kicks are part of it. And yeah, I think that's, I think that's one of the, uh, one of the things he is, he is a striker more than anything, you know, um, certainly more so than, uh, Chono or Muto are. Yeah. I think that's probably how I, how I describe him because he doesn't wrestle like, um, He's not as big as Vader, but you know he's a, he's a big dude. Oh yeah. But he doesn't he doesn't wrestle like uh, like the stereotypical hoss. No, yeah.
0: no. You know
2: he is just he is just a he's just a martial artist, but he's fat.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I, and I think that's that's an important thing to mention as well. Um, is that of I mean of of all of his contemporaries in the New Japan sort of heavyweight scene, and even actually the old Japan guys as well. Um, just as a, as a one-time visual, if you've never seen him before, Hashimoto doesn't necessarily look like a guy that you're going to expect a huge amount of, other than, as George says, maybe um, some kind of impressive hostile antics. Um, yeah. But the guy that he was always most often compared to, and this was the dream match for years, and it eventually happened in, I think, 2001, maybe, or 2000, was um, Kawada um, from Old Japan. Um, yeah. So he's probably... That's a great match. They're a different guy. They're very different, I think, characters um, in the way that they're presented in terms of how their psychology works and what their motivations are and things like that. Um, but Hashimoto is kind of... That is the nearest kind of analogue and that was the match that people craved because it was two guys who were big um, in, in different ways. I mean, Hashimoto's got a bit of a be- big belly on him, but even Takada's kind of a stocky guy, you know, um, and they were guys that um, that hit hard with like really hard strikes and kicks. Um, so yeah, he's this incredible mixture of you know old school kind of um karate influenced uh, uh, fighting spirit guy with just brutal sort of more modern kicks inherited from like you know, more, more modern martial arts, and then a really great pro wrestling brain as well. Um, and as I said before, when you match that with the aura as well, he's just a guy that I I, I went on a, a huge Hashimoto rewatch binge um, recently. I must have watched about 12, 13, 14, 15 Hashimoto matches in a row I've not seen for years. And, like, he's a guy I can just watch again and again and again. Like, if there's a match with Hashimoto in it, even if it's one of the ones that isn't maybe up to his best, I'm probably going to watch it if I've not seen it before, if it crops up on YouTube, you know. That's how much I love the guy.
2: Yeah. The kicks kicks really make this match, really. Not just from Hashimoto, but... From Takada as well, you know, when Hashimoto does his first leg kick, Takada responded with some kicks to the head yeah. and attempted armbar. And now the armbar gets a reaction yep. because you think, well, shit, he might, he might submit because he's just been kicked in the head a fair few times. Exactly. And you know, the hot start to this match really pays off in terms of getting the crowd involved. Yeah. Uh, you know, Hashimoto gets a Fujiwara armbar quite early on. That gets bought as a finish. Takata counters a brain buster into a small package. That gets a, like, a good reaction on the near fall. Then I noticed that as Hashimoto's hair gets damper, he starts to look a lot like Jack Black. And then they do some more kicks.
1: There's <laughs> There's a point is it Takeda's leg just gives out and just yes. you know, it yeah blows and the crowd goes fucking mental yeah because they they see, they smell blood they know yeah. what's yeah. coming and they lose their minds and it's worth yeah. pointing
0: out as as well that uh, this is the best Takada performance we've seen by a long long way yeah. oh yeah, yeah I mean we 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 gave Muto a lot of shit in in the last few matches and I think overall I still maintain that he was more at fault but as George said earlier, it's pro wrestling. I'm, I'm not someone that, I do believe someone can be carried, but I think that's overstated hugely in the way fans talk about professional wrestling. I think that the only real 100% carry jobs are things like Brett versus Davey Boy at, at SummerSlam, where he's fuked Brett. Um, you know, um, it, it, I think that real carry jobs are actually rarer than people say. Um, and I think that Takata in this match brings it, so well it's one of his best performances since the early UWF days um in in my opinion really good stuff
1: and and speaking of candy jobs um we will be reviewing one of the best candy jobs in the world yeah not to spoil it for everyone that's yeah, in episode yeah. 8 yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll get there we'll get yeah. there um oh there's a great bit as well um hashimoto locks in the figure four mm. because he knows takada's weak against it because he's yeah. tapped out to it before that's another great like like I say, the the Muto matches weren't very good, but they at least laid the groundwork for this in terms of telling an overarching story and showing Takada's strengths and weaknesses in kayfabe. I thought that was well done.
0: Yeah, I, I I agree absolutely. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think we'll we'll probably talk more about these two men um uh, later on in the series. They're both two incredibly important figures um in in sort of modern Japanese wrestling. Um. Uh, Takada is much more divisive one than Hashimoto is, as we've mentioned. But, um, uh, funnily enough, folks, um, Takada will go on to um be um yes. uh, 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 I think actually in charge of the whole promotion as a whole. It, a very very different kind of promotion to UWFI, yeah, which is um accurate. Hustle, which is um the uh, Japanese um attempt to do a uh federation influenced by uh you know quotation marks sports uh, sports entertainment. Um which is weird actually, because it's kind of a for a forerunner to um kind of what Jeddo and Gato have, have been doing now with New Japan in an odd way, but just much more hyper bizarre and strange. And um yeah, we'll maybe touch on that at some point as well in, in later episodes. Yeah, we'll do
2: that do that a bit, but like if we um just just getting towards the 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 climax of the match really, there is an amazing spot where um this gets probably the biggest reaction of anything on any of these shows we've recorded since episode 4 um Takada he's taken a few kicks he's selling the last one very dazed and in one fluid motion he dodges a kick and sweeps Hashimoto's leg uh, sorry Hashimoto sweeps Takada's leg from under him yeah, yeah, so he dodges it in the same motion. He does the leg sweep. Like, yeah, th- that's fantastic stuff. Because that the timing on that must be so difficult to do. Oh, it's
3: it's it's
0: actually quite. That's almost reminiscent of um of like a Muay Thai sweep. Actually, the 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 yeah. way that he does that. Um, I, I I thought that when I watched it. And it's like yeah, for a big dude <laughs> to be um to be sweeping like like that. I mean, I know it's 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 sold by Takara obviously, and it's not um you know it's not cute, but it looked really impressive. No, you're right, like.
1: What one other thing I would like to mention, a really impressive move in here was there was a brain buster that was just sheer art. It was just yeah. a thing of beauty. It was unbelievable. I think Hashimoto just plants some. Yeah. It, it was, <laughs> just, fuck, it is no quarter given. No, not fuck at all. It. Yeah, but no, it, it was great because I, 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 specific, I specifically noticed that. That was incredible.
2: There's, there's, there's a bit, there's a bit just before that where Hashimoto absolutely floors Takada with a kick to the chest. Like, just levels the bastard, yeah. and then he tries the brain buster. But Takada floats over, gets a couple of chops for his trouble, and a really stiff DDT. Oh, that DDT and then is this
3: really brutal,
2: horrendous, just drives his head six feet below the earth. And then finally, this amazing brain buster that David was on about after this mid air struggle, where it looks as though Takada might wangle himself back down. To the ground. You know, your usual. <laughs> struggle on a suplex where the guy's struggling to stay up with his feet placed on the ground. Yeah. And then eventually the guy gets him up and does the throw. This is, he's struggling while he's fucking upside down (laughs) in midair. He's trying to get him his, his center of gravity back down to the ground. Mm. This isn't something you see very often. Mm. And then finally Hashimoto gets the brain buster um, and drops him on his head. But like the midair struggle on that was, was absolutely fantastic. I think. Yeah.
0: And, and and like a couple of lesser guys, not as, as on their game as, as those two were um uh, that night. That's easily the kind of spot that can get squandered, you know. Like um that you can yeah. you can build up that 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 huge amount of tension and you don't release at the right point. And like this is what like I think people that don't watch a lot of wrestling or that maybe have only watched a certain type of wrestling don't really understand about this this craft is that it's not so much about what what you do. It's about the timing that you that you do it in. Like i i I'm. I'm, I'm I'm everyone on the Facebook group that 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 we run together. Um, like, must get tired of me saying this, but probably the top three like damn bingo things, other than Memphis, um, is basically just <laughs> um pacing, um, you know, um, psychology and uh, and timing. Like, they're yeah. the three things that if you're going to get those right in a match in the right atmosphere, I am going to be all over it. Like, um, and Absolutely. little intricate things like that spot you just mentioned there are. Just to me, that is just pro wrestling. I love it. Yeah,
2: it's it's like that's what the essence of wrestling is. Like going back to yeah. episode one, we said that amazing All Japan tag match, which for my money is is the greatest wrestling match ever produced. Mm-hmm. The moves are quite standard moves, mm-hmm. really, yeah. but it's how they string to thing, string them together, how they build and then dissipate the tension, which I think is is what makes a match great.
0: What was the um What was the great quote, George, that you um you found somewhere about um Ring of Honor was it Ring of Honor yeah
2: yeah it's it's basically they were talking about the first couple of years of Ring, Ring of Honor that's it and they said that the, the wrestlers there were a load of people who'd watched a bunch of 90s All Japan matches and thought the moves were why those matches were good yeah yeah exactly they and, and you know like it's um it, it's it's really true. It's not about the moves. It's 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 not even about how you do them. No. At, uh, at some point, it's about when you do them. Yeah. And yeah. um, I thought the um, <laughs> the finish to this match. Have a guess. Have a guess how it ends.
1: Does a UWF yeah. guy tap out? Yeah. Any chance he yeah.
2: fucking <laughs> <And> does, David? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hash- Hashimoto uh, makes it the point of winning by submission.
1: Yeah. but and he no, no, he, he, can't he can't pin him. He <laughs> <No>, can't pin man. No. I mean, I, I'm glad this fucking section is over. By the way, because if I've seen any more UWFI fucking submission finishes, I think I'd have went and well, well, well don't worry because, <laughs> <this> well,
0: <laughs> well, don't worry, David, because they're gonna go busted a few months' time time. so they will not be seen any <laughs> <in the> UWFI. <laughs>
2: Yeah. I was gonna say the best the best part just before we move on is Hashimoto, because he has vanquished the evil invader, he gets a trophy and a certificate. Yeah (laughs) Yeah. So sorry, sorry lads, here's your bronze swimming certificate. I was just gonna say that
1: gets a certificate. The
2: only thing he's missing is one of those little
0: um circular patches to um sew onto his trunks, like uh, you know <laughs> I, I swam 500 meters or whatever it was. Like the,
2: the the rest of the roster gets, and I tried my best,
3: Rosie. I tried hard.
0: yeah <laughs> Oh, sorry, folks. Horrible detours into a um, uh, schoolyard um, sort of um, uh, you know um, uh, uh, nightmares from when we were younger.
1: Right. I I didn't have that in my school. I didn't get that fucking luxury. <laughs> um, we, no. we had two football teams, the A and the oh. B team. Guess which one I was on? Uh, the C team. I've of never seen you play. The C team. <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> I,
2: I, I ended up, again, massive aggression, this will get cut, but um, I ended up playing, uh, we had a house cricket competition at school, and I ended up, I was sort of on the borderline between the B and the C team, the B team, I could do a job. The C team, it's not like football where everyone has the motor skills to kick a ball. Yeah. Like, these fuckers could not do a single fucking thing. They could barely hold the bat the right way up. Hello. So I, I, <laughs> it's I, me. I had to be, like, opening batsman, opening bowler and wicketkeeper because when I wasn't bowler, I couldn't trust any of these cunts to catch a ball <laughs> if the batsman missed it. You're going to have to do this all yourself, George. This I, is the I, ultimate first world problem. I have to carry a like under under sixteen's cricket
1: team. I I went I went to an SWA show last Friday with a women's match. Your sounds either is similar to what you're talking about there. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, You but definitely yeah, couldn't um, fucking catch anyway. <laughs>
2: but but yeah, um, UWFIs, um, you know, af- their their fate after this match, as you as you intimated, was. Not not a happy one. So this was the this was the end of the um, of the storyline. New Japan did um, they did integrate certain performers like uh, Sakuraba stuck around for a bit, mm. um, and but then UWF I started an interpromotional feud with Wrestle um, uh, Wrestle and Romance, yes. which we uh, mentioned in uh, episode six re- re- Wrestle and Medieval Verse Romance, and they had this. Um, they had this interpromotional feud. Takada had a couple of matches with uh, Jinichiro Temmu, the um, head honcho over in War, and they they sh- they both beat each other on the home turf. Um, but by 1996, uh, UWFI had had their last show, which was Takada beating Takiyama in the uh, in the main event. As for what happened after uh, after this, um, a lot of the UWFI guys formed a short-lived Successor promotion called. I think it was called Kingdom. Yes, about yeah. For anyone?
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Sakuraba was there. Um. But um. Takada went down a very different path. Now, if you remember, we talked about um, in back in episode four, the reason one of the reasons for Udonify losing popularity, and indeed one of the main reasons they lost popularity, was because of Takada not salvaging his company's honor. By avenging Yoji Anjo's <laughs> merciless battering at the hands of uh, Jiu Jitsu great uh, Hicks and Gracie. So, what happened was that. Uh, Takada and some financial backers who were definitely not from the organized mob. No. Nope. <laughs> not in any way. Um, the company was certainly not forced to close a decade later because it was found to be a front for the yakuza.
1: Nope. never happened. Well, no. I, I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not going to have these lies thrown about. <laughs> <laughs> organization in Japan fronted by the yakuza. You surely you must be mistaken. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh, they formed a um, MMA promotion called uh, the Pride Fighting Championship. And this was really a, um, uh, following on from Pancrase's success, this dialled it up to the max. It was MMA, but with big personalities, colourful characters like Pyro and Glitz and Glamour, really taking the production values up a notch. Huge, huge shows. But the selling point for their first ever show was that uh, Takada and Hicks and Gracie would finally fight. For real. This is a shoot. They will finally fight. I've seen that fight. Fucking hell! Takada looks like he's on his way to the gallows. Oh my god!
0: <laughs> oh my god! Right, I've, I've got that. I've got that on DVD over there. Like um, I. Oh god, pride! We can do a whole episode on pride one day as well. Oh, we're
1: definitely doing an episode.
0: That, on pride. Oh yeah, we're going to do happen. it. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean that. Um, that really is, as you say, it's almost actually quite unpleasant to watch. Um, oh I yeah, like... it, it, I think at the time it was probably less so for people that were watching it who had less of an idea about who Takada was. Um, but pro wrestling fans, obviously, at that time, um, you know, we knew that this guy wasn't legit,
2: like, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, um... but, but people, people in Japan, they were, you know, there were still loads of people who did, like I say, there was this expectation at the time that even if, pro wrestling was a work your top guy was a le- legitimate tough person yeah i mean and, it, it was so... it was
0: basically it, it comes from mm. that notion that you know um that, that, that they inherited from the fact that the americans imported pro wrestling to to that to their territory and it simply was an idea that had died out in america um already but hung on a little bit longer and
2: yeah, ex- exactly. Um, and watching this fight, uh, like I would recommend you to watch it. I think you can watch it on YouTube. Um, Takada, he looks like he's already shat himself multiple times on his way to the ring. Hicks and Gracie looks like a stone-cold killer. And if you watch the fight, because there's Hicks and Gracie, you know, all-time legendary martial artist. Takada, who, you know, knows a bit of his martial arts, but is to all intents and purposes a pro-wrestler. Hicks and Gracie knows this, and he's basically just toying with them. All the fight is, is um, Gracie controlling the center of the ring, and Takada yeah. sort of circling him. Gracie knows, like, he controls the positioning entirely, 100%, yeah. Yeah. in this match. And pretty much the instant Takada gets close to him, he loses.
0: Yeah, that's that's basically it. It's a bit like if you ever watch like a um, a a small animal trapped in like like small fly trapped in a spider's web, and you see the spider pot, and you think, "Oh, this is bad news. This is terrible. This is awful." (laughs) Like, and you just you know that as soon as the fly makes one extra little ping on the um you know on the web, the spider's going to notice it and just go and like devour it. And um, yeah, it's quite a spectacle though, uh, obviously because it's it's pride. Um...
2: Takada would um, officially have a mixed martial arts record of three wins, six losses and two draws. And um, the thing is be- go on. Yeah. <laughs> The thing is because um he was a huge drawing card for Pride, um, they needed to keep him strong. So none of his three wins were real fights. They had someone come in and do the job for him. So they're bringing pro wrestling back into MMA. One of his, I think his second fight maybe, is against this fella called Kyle Sturgeon, yeah. who is basically just a man. He's, I think, a, a local <laughs> PE teacher. <laughs> it's
1: like when Sam he Marino is... played in the European qualifiers.
2: Yeah. yeah janitor, uh, yeah. This
1: man is a PE teacher. Yeah,
2: yeah. You get the sense that Takada probably could have beaten this guy in a fight, even if it was legit. Yeah. And. You know, it 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 wasn't. He was just a no name brought in to, you know, give him a win so he could lose again to someone legit. And then they give him another win which was fake, so they could build his credibility for him to get pounded again. But this is the most this is right,
0: you think that's bad, you think that's hokey, you think that's a disgrace to, to the sport, okay? Right, he went go to Canada, uh, at one stage in his career, I think it's this is during the same period, fought Mark Coleman. Okay, now if anyone doesn't know who Mark Coleman is, uh, Mark Coleman is a real kind of pioneer of the early days of MMA. um, uh, A very talented um, uh, wrestler uh, from America who also was one of the pioneers of the of the ground and ground and pound style. Um, Take people down, you know, uh, get them in full mount, overpower them with uh, grappling, and 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 knock the shit out of them. Basically, Um, he won. I think it was the was it the two thousand Pride heavyweight tournament? Um, he beat um Eagle of yeah. in the uh, in the final with some horrendously uh, brutal knees to the back of the head when that was still a thing. That was allowed in have and made. <laughs> um, and, he, and Hardly
2: ever lost.
0: Yeah. How, oh yeah. Um. Um. Yeah. Was a UFC champion as well. Um. Or maybe a tournament winner. I can't remember. The guy's legit. Okay. If you search on Google for Mark Coleman to cadda, the first video that you will find is simply entitled. Mark Coleman Disgraces America. <laughs> and the title, and I shall read it to you, bear, just bear, uh, bear with me here a moment. And the, in the description, this, um, this uh, sort of um, very uh, patriotic um, and upset man uh, describes it as, the, as this. Mark Coleman disgraces himself, the sport of MMA and the United States of America by taking part in a rigged MMA match in 1999. It is, of course, against our man, Takada.
1: <laughs> is, is the person that wrote that a columnist for the mail? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking sounds like it. I, I, I
0: actually think that the person that wrote... This was from 2009, so I now think that that person's actually head of um, head of uh, content at Breitbart.
3: Mm. <laughs> mm.
2: Topical. So. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Okay, hell. Uh, but yeah, um, so
0: that's the his, um later, latest career. career so it's worth um, keeping and, and that in mind. as for what room.
2: he did, uh, as for what he did after Pride, and we must do some of this later because oh. I'm, I'm sure this will be right up David Street. The aforementioned uh, Hustle promotion. Yeah. This attempted, basically what they thought was all right. Let's all right. do quote unquote sports entertainment, but let's do it to a thousand percent. Here, I'm going to um, summarize for you. A, a typical hustle storyline. So um a female performer called Yinling the Erotic Terrorist Um she, during the course of a match, um our, our old friend the great Muta, um gets her down on the ground and uh spits uh, green mist into her foof. And so he put more reference to
1: that and he did the fucking Takeda match. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Already and sounds like a better match of than the Takano one. Because of this missed impregnation, um, <laughs> she gives, gives birth not to a baby, but to oh, former oh, sumo grand champion Akebono <laughs> as Bono-chan, which is basically Akebono in a baby costume with a dummy. Coming out of a giant egg. Oh, yes, God, I forgot about the giant egg. Yeah. Yeah,
0: in she the be fine after passing that, wouldn't she? <laughs> in the fine tradition of the gobbledygooker, um <laughs> I'm giving an altogether new meaning to the um, the previous name for a Japanese wrestling show, Big Egg Universe. Um, we get <laughs> <laughs> we get the birth of um, of um, oh, sorry, it's fucking thingy, isn't it? Um, you just mentioned them. My mind's it. gone blank. I, it's I um, it. sumo guy.
1: Acabono four times.
0: Yes, sorry, Acabono. You <laughs> <laughs> literally just said that, but no short term memory left. Um, yeah, literally Acabono popping out of a giant egg in the on the middle of the entrance ramp. Like it's amazing because it's like it's like I almost think of Hustle as like what happens with with kind of like Japanese psychedelic rock in the sort of eighties uh, through the nineties, where these people made the most far out batshit crazy recordings. But when they got interviewed about them, they just went, oh, well, we were just copying, like, what the Americans did at the end of their sets, but, like, we just did the bit at the end where they smash all the instruments for the whole thing for half an hour. Like, they thought it was just, they thought they sound like the Rolling Stones, but, like, they sound like they come from another fucking planet. Like, um, and Hustle's kind of the same thing. It just, it wants to do sports entertainment, it just kind of comes at it from a slightly off angle, because they don't really get certain parts of it, and it becomes this complete gonzo, bizarro explosion. It's great. It's basically Japan in
1: a nutshell. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> like, yeah.
2: their, their website's still up, actually. And if you go on it, you can see their their roster, which is like everyone who ever wrestled to them. It's fucking mad. I don't know how they've um, arranged it. It's certainly not in uh, alphabetical order by our alphabet. But you've got the fucking juxtaposition. You've got Goldberg next to Jaguar Yakota, next to fucking Devon Dudley. That, that there's a three way dance that should have happened. <laughs> like... Yeah. <laughs> and also um, on one of their shows, the fucking All Japan Triple Crown got defended. Um, uh, you know, one of the most prestigious titles of all time as Toshiaki Kawada took on fucking Mick Foley. Mick Foley.
0: Yes, I've seen that match, and it's really disappointing. Like, um, yeah, like,
1: uh, yeah, it's not like two thousand and six. It's something. No, two thousand and
2: four, because he's only one month removed from that match against Randy Orton.
1: Oh yeah, fucking hell. And I think the
2: story behind
0: it was something like, um, like he fucking, he, he they were gonna have someone else booked in the main event, but they couldn't get them. And then, for some reason, the first person they thought of to book was a pastic like Mick
2: Foley as Captain Jack. Uh, it's unbelievable. It's, we, we need to do some more of this. I mean, I yeah, we're yeah. We'll, all we'll, day, we'll, But we'll, there is a a little bit of a happy ending. So Takada took on the um the form of um, his alter ego Generalissimo Takada, the <laughs> uh, evil boss of the Takada Monster Army, the main heel faction. Who's basically a mixture of uh, of M Bison and Franco. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Did he reg a Eurovision song contest as well? <laughs> <laughs>
2: but but yeah, his right hand man, the hand of the king, was our old friend Yoji Anjo. Yeah. So there is a happy ending to this sordid tale Guess of work shoots, <laughs> rampant burials, and you know, <laughs> fat men kicking people in the chest.
3: Oh God!
0: You reckon like there's really shit jokes every year? His mates buy him like a burial CD.
3: Like just like there you go,
0: Yoji. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> and hey. he just walks into his house and puts it alongside the thirty-seven others that he's got, and just cries silently at night.
2: Fucking hell, we're ending this episode on a really dark note. <laughs> well, you know,
0: yeah, poor poor Yoji Anjo, man. Like, um, but yeah, uh, um, he, he's he's by far the
2: MVP of this uh, oh, episode. Oh, absolutely. Like. In terms just of pure laughs yeah like intense amount of punishment also honorable mentions i think people who really impressed me um shinjiro otani the person who read orwell's quote imagine the future a boot stomping on a human face over and over <laughs> again and thought that sounds like a great idea
0: <laughs> yeah and i'll be honest for a wrestler it really is <laughs> like, <Yeah>. You know? <laughs>
3: um
2: yeah, Nagato I thought was great as well, but like he always is. I I don't think many pe many of the wrestlers and certainly not the bookers behind it uh, particularly covered themselves in glory during no. this angle. It's actually funny because I I was speaking in an earlier episode about the uh, the paper I gave at this academic conference comparing these three invasion storylines: this one, the WWF invasion storyline in two thousand and one, and WCW versus NWO. And I argued at the time that. Between the NWO storyline, where the heels never got their comeuppance because they were like creative control in the contracts, and between the WWF versus Alliance, where the invaders got completely uh, buried to the to the centre of the earth, I argued that this sort of represented a bit of a middle ground. And I think having watched the matches now, I think it's much closer to the WWF versus Alliance when I have misled yeah. the good folk at Goldsmiths University London. <laughs>
1: But no, I. you are not gonna right. watch it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean,
0: I um, I think we mentioned this like um, uh, near when when we first started talking about these matches, and, and I said um, that 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 was what it reminded me of um, um as well. Um, you know, it's difficult because it's a different feud in some ways because it is very much more about trying to meld two styles and it not working out very well. Mm. Uh, but I think in terms of you know, just look at the results. I mean, like as we said. UWFI is is out of business. Like um, what months after this?
2: Yeah, it they they didn't last till the end of the year. Yeah, so so I think December was their last show. December ninety six. So there you go. You know, um, but
0: yeah, so a, a sad end for them, but um, a a very important um kind of moment um certainly in the uh, in the development of New Japan and probably the one of the most is this the time they made the most money, um, up until. I mean, because they must have, because it's, it's not, a, what, what it's what, three, four years after this that Enochism begins to really...
2: Yeah, and business didn't go so down. I think at the time, they were the second, third and fourth highest grossing wrestling event of all time. And I think the only one, I'll have to check this, but I think the only one that took more money was WrestleMania 3.
0: Oh, wow. I didn't know I didn't know that. Okay. Right, I didn't know that it was, it was to that extent, it was a financial Yeah, success. it was That's $6 amazing. million
2: to throw. Yeah, so like, like you say, commercially successful, but you're still thinking if they'd have kept the Invaders stronger, if they'd have kept Takata stronger, they could have made an even bigger sack full of money than that. Yeah. As obscene as it sounds, they easily could have done. No, the interest couldn't. in this angle was so, so high. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so do you, do you just want to tell our listeners what's, what awaits them in uh, Episode 8? Uh,
0: yeah, so um, in Episode 8, uh, we are going to mix things up a little bit. Um, we're now through two volumes um, that we've we, we've covered there. We're rather potentially calling them volumes because we're recording them um, sort of um, as close together as possible, so we can put them out, um, and they'll all follow a kind of thematic um, uh, you, uh, you know lead. So next up, we're actually going to mix it up a little bit, um, and we've decided that we've what we've gone through um, you know um, a couple of heavily themed um, sort of um, volumes already, and we're going to just talk about three um, kind of um, I don't want to call them random, but three kind of um, a real mixed bag of matches next (laughs) uh, where we're going to talk about three different matches that we all have a particular interest in. Um, Mm -hmm. I am going to be going um, a little bit more old school than we've been so far um, and we're going to talk about a match um, from all Japan um, between um, the great Billy Robinson, uh, where I will probably have much boring stuff to say about uh, Lancashire Catch and things like that, uh, up against the equally great Nick Bockwinkle and um, and that's a real kind of tussle uh, between two um Gaijins, um in All japan that is very representative of a particular type of All japan match um and then yeah you two mm-hmm. guys are going to be talking about some of the things as well so why don't you just
1: uh, let the listeners know do? yeah, going yeah.
2: To. david david um you you've served up quite the bomb burner for us haven't you oh
1: fucking hell that's thing, right um yeah so i decided that i wanted to um i wanted to kind of mix things up a bit um, and I picked a match from Tori Yumon <laughs> Which is a free on free on free on free match <laughs> which is the most impossible thing in the world to try and annotate and get down. Oh my god, this was this was the worst to try and watch and write notes for. I mean yeah. it's amazing, but fucking hell.
2: And, well we'll get into that and as far as my match goes what I'm going to say is this is probably one of the more unique matches we will do on the podcast it's um, Kodo versus versus uh, Yoshihiko from the uh, promotion DDT from 2009 other than that as uh, Paul Ellering might say that is all you need to know
0: Yeah, absolutely um, Yeah, so um, uh, catch us when we release those in the next volume uh, we hope you enjoyed the show and uh, yeah, we'll see you next time
2: On this show between New Japan and UWFI. I'd just like our listeners to cast their minds back to uh, episode five. So, if you remember, there was a run of four matches in a row featuring big New Japan heavyweights and Keiji Muto, who is not so big, against much smaller UWFI wrestlers. And we weren't very big on those matches, firstly, because none of them were that good, and secondly, because the New Japan guys absolutely dominated, and only one of the UWFI guys won his match, which was uh, Masahito Kakahara. Now, fair enough, um, it was it was portrayed as a lucky win. You know, He sort of got beaten up for most of the match and did an out-of-nowhere submission. But, you know, considering that we said back in episode 4, these rivalries depend primarily upon supremacy in series of in-ring matches as opposed to anything like promos... Or backstage beatdowns like you'd have in America. So you know, Kakahara's win did count for something in the grand scheme of things, and Sasaki was a big star by um, by nineteen ninety-six. You know, it's a really meaningful victory. So out of the UWFI guys, you could probably say that Kakahara has the most forward momentum out of any of them. So with that in mind, have a fucking guess who he's wrestling on this show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, I forgot that Kakahara was the one. He got the last yeah, win. They Ricky fucking Choshu. <laughs> the
2: Choshu squash train comes here. Stop at Masahito <laughs> Kakahara Parkway.
1: <laughs> Big prick Ricky Choshu is here.
2: Oh, God.
1: I mean, I, w- I will say, right, I will say before we go on, Kakahara gave it a go in the start. Because he bit yes. a shite at a Choshu. He-, he saw the writing on the wall. <laughs> he knew what was coming and thought, fuck this. I'm just gonna leather this man and see if he flinches. <laughs> yeah. It it makes me think of like an FA Cup third round game. I mean, it's like a conference team, like Conference South against like fucking Arsenal. And they realise that they're gonna get leathered. Or Chelsea or something like that. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a heavy defeat. So they play four three three anyway just in case, you know, like, fuck it, you know what, P- we'll press, that's it, pressing, feed it down the lines, it'll be fine, you know, if we get beat, we get beat with nothing to lose.
2: In the beginning, uh, Kakihara's equivalent of 4-3-3 and his Gagin are some axe kicks and palm strikes, Choshu, okay, he is good enough, he doesn't sell them, but <laughs> He acts as though that one day they may be capable of doing so. So it's a slight upgrade. Does he? Yeah, does I he mean, have
1: form of this?
2: Um, is, is there I, I've not heard my, my. I I don't know. Like, uh, I mean, if if Jericho to be believed, he's he's he was quite personable backstage. In fact, my favourite story. Um, just a little bit of a digression, my favourite story involving Choshu is from, I think, Jericho's first autobiography, and they brought him into New Japan, and he was going to be the evil version of Jushin Liger, called Super Liger, yeah. he, but he had this white suit, he couldn't really see out of the mask very well, and it was a bit tight, and he had his debut as Super Liger at the Tokyo Dome, actually, which is a hell of a stage to do it on, and... He was wrestling uh, Koji Kanemoto and absolutely shat the bed. Like one of the worst performances <laughs> of his life. And a couple of days later, he ran into Ricky Choshu backstage, who he'd never spoken to before. And uh, Ricky Choshu said, you Chris Jericho, you same guy as Super Liger? And Chris Jericho allowed that he was. And Ricky Choshu said, hmm, Chris Jericho, very good. Super Liger, very bad. <laughs> and Chris Jericho said I think maybe Super Superliga go away now and Ricky Choshu said I think that good idea
1: <laughs> so that's my Choshu story uh, what the fuck is happening Hello, you know, everything went slow and they got an amazing shot of Daniel going <laughs> it's all slowed down I really wish I had recorded lag, it's
2: fine yeah um, so that that puts New Japan 2-0 up in the three-match series. Way to leave it in suspense. But um, we do one have...
1: Can you yeah. WFI tie it up with one match to go? No, it can't. Basically, Mathematically, it can't. <laughs>
2: um, But that one match to go is... Um... So remember how much we fucking loved that uh, Keiji Muto versus oh, Takada match back in episode hell. five? Well, it's time for the redux. Uh, IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Keiji Muto defending once again against Nobuhiko Takada.
1: Muto versus Takada, too. This time it's for money. <laughs> 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 I shit you not. I've written three notes of play by play, right? I will read you the three notes right now. <laughs> right? An okay waiting eye patch. Crowd picks up from Moonsault from to Takada wins with Amber. That's all I fucking wrote. Spoilers,
2: Jesus. Post-match was, was really good, though, uh, oh. as you were saying, David. Like, post-match was fantastic. Yeah.
1: Oh. Yeah, Hashimoto just comes out. Hey, my boy. Yes, not a happy man. No. Not a happy man. When is, he? when is he happy? Well, tr- <laughs> true. But, yeah, he just comes out and just basically... Cards on the table. (laughs) I want to fight you, Mm. and it's yeah, it's fantastic. Um, Even though it's in Japanese, obviously we can't understand it. Doesn't matter. You you can get no. You you know exactly what they're saying.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's, It's brilliant. It actually puts it over that, um, because there's other guys who come out wanting a piece of him, Um, noted arse-based offence exponent, Shiro Koshinaka. (laughs) Yeah, Koshinaka He comes out and I pissed
3: myself and he popped up out of fucking nowhere.
2: (laughs) Yeah, what the fuck. Uh, Koshinaka comes out, and actually Takada would defend his title against Koshinaka on a UWFI show uh, successfully (laughs) after this. (laughs) Um, I love
1: the idea of um, Takada <laughs> selling an arse to the police. <laughs> just that the funniest thing ever. Hey, guys,
0: guys, it's a hip attack, okay? It's not the <laughs> arse. It's a hip attack. It's just it because they the people, usually, who have massive arses, and these days are women, it's in no way completely sexist. No, <laughs> not,
2: not at all, anyway. The funniest part is Sasaki comes out as well, and it's good in the sense that they're really selling yeah. that... New Japan roster is so angry that an yeah. outsider has taken their title everyone wants a fucking piece of him Koshinaka gets a shot against him uh, Takada sorry um, Hashimoto gets a shot against him at the next dome Sasaki doesn't get a shot
1: yeah
2: of course probably because <laughs> <probably probably laughs> he kills a guy later in the year because he took
1: killing trainees and waking yeah. up a hotel <laughs> r- 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 a tender. killing trainees <laughs> and um, destroying plasterboard in hotel
0: rooms with his vigorous duck <laughs> <gap> hammering <Okay. laughs> um
1: Jesus. Four and a half stars. Because there's always room for improvement. That is
2: true. Sasaki works stiff.
1: Good lord. Allegedly, 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 allegedly. 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 Allegedly.
2: The the other the other story I, I heard them tell was uh, one about uh Marafuji, Fuji. Uh which was Here we go. <laughs> get some interesting people over from XW, like like they Over they're getting Seema, Sekimoto, people who aren't your sort of like Andy Q, New Japan posse, like sort of more out of the way people. Um, and yeah, but but they yeah, superstars exactly. to us, and they <laughs> like, will get yeah. the they will right, get the, yeah, the yeah. yen of a certain uh, demographic of the fans, i.e., people like us, yeah, uh, not yeah, necessarily us, yeah, yeah. but people like us. And um, they one yeah, yeah. of the people they were trying to want to get over was Marufuji and he has been to this country before for them them noah tours they used to do back in the day and um coventry sky so, uh, yeah 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 and uh Emily yeah. was thinking you know i'll um the sour I'll... <laughs> out the back having a fang <laughs> so i'll try and bond with Marufuji over twitter and then he will want to he will want to come over because it will be bffs and um so yeah. sh- now Ma- Marufuji loves now. <laughs> his whiskey like he's always instagram about whiskey he seems to be a bit of a connoisseur just something the MVP had told them, because MVP loves his whiskey as well. And um, so uh-huh. they were like, oh, I'll... Whiskey's yeah, it was Japan. like, yeah, just Japanese whiskey, which is basically Scottish whiskey in Japan. Yeah, and it's um, a... it's yeah, yeah, it's basically though, they shipped you know? over, like, the people and the ingredients and the barrels and fucking everything uh, to basically make it exactly yeah. the same. Yeah, was, yeah. Was really, it's really pretty cool. But they, yeah, they were just like, oh, yeah, Mar- Marafuji, uh yeah. likes his whiskey. So um, she was like, Yusuke... Can you translate a tweet for me into Japanese? And he was like, "Yeah, sure." So she tweeted, She said, "Okay, can you translate? I I want to get shit faced with Marafuji? Now Yusuke did not know the idiom, and um, oh god, did not, and it did not quite translate to Japanese. So what emerged was, I want to get drunk with Marafuji and rub shit all over his face. <laughs> so she was like, "Yeah, I don't think Marafuji's coming." Well, he might. You never know. Depends, depends what, what he's what into. He's, yeah. Always with, with your fat life.
0: What are you doing? For God's sake, Jill. What are you doing? Jill. God's sake.
1: I just thought I'd put chocolate mousse over you.
0: You've got it on the bed seats. You've, you've got it on the dressing gown. You've got it on the balance. On the what? The skirt thing round the side of the bed.
1: I thought it'd be erotic.
0: Oh, Jill. Moose from a bowl is very nice, but to put it on a person is demented.
1: Oh, come on, it's only a bit of chocolate.
0: It may be chocolate to you, Jill, but to an unwitting member of staff, this could look like some sort of... dirty protest against the... standard of service in the hotel, which I happen to think is very good. I mean, It's not five-star, but it's certainly competitive.
2: Yeah, so, like, um, I was going to ask if, um, as well as his wife, was Muto's son, Akabono, there in the crowd? Ha! Yeah, So was he
0: still gestating
2: in the,
1: in, the, uh, in the egg?
2: In the egg. In the, in the egg. He was being incubated. The, um... <laughs> the, 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 by the way, we're not talking shit. This was actually a pro wrestling storyline. Yeah, this is, this, is, this is like our pitch for the next Alien film. Like, this is
0: like, you know, this is like, uh, actually, this,
3: this, this, this was, was a thing that This was wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was actually a PWFG, it was their first ever big angle. Uh, like, uh, <laughs> can you imagine that? Just loads of lads in black trunks and kick pads just looking really <laughs> perturbed as this giant egg is... <laughs> Brought down the ring and they, yeah, they're all looking at each other and Fujiwara's like, What should we do? And you know, Takada's like, to
3: kick it really hard.
0: That's the answer to everything, Takada. Kick things really hard. But <laughs> y- Yamazaki's Yabizaki, at the back just like, Oh lads, have you thought about have you ever given any more thought just to one more mass? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Chad, what do you got going on, my friend? Um, you, you did a good job, Steve. I'll, I'll just add two more quick plugs on the Pro Wrestling Only feed. We've added a couple of uh, Japanese-centric podcasts that I really enjoy. Uh, the Puro Pori podcast and also Strong Style History. And uh, both of those are taking a historical look at Japanese wrestling, uh, which I, d- I don't know any other uh, podcasts out there that do that currently. Uh, so that's kind of a neat little wrinkle on the podcast
2: scene. Uh, I love that question. Like, have you ever been to a party? Like, statistically, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably haven't. No. <laughs>